Welcome back to the Why So Serious Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and Devin is back. Uh, no Mike. He don't watch wrestling, so I think he's out in No Man's Skyland, so he ain't here today. But we're going to do a regular show later this week. By the way, uh, No Man's Sky had a big-ass update recently, and now it's out on VR, and it's like the game everybody wanted. So if y'all were thinking about that years ago, probably should go check it out. But today we are here for – we do – Big wrestling reviews three to four times a year. We do WrestleMania. We do Royal Rumble. We do SummerSlam. Uh, last year, we had Rich and Cam for WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and they are back. So, thank you. Uh, what's going on, Rich and Cam? That's being no, courteous, no. waiting on the other one. Uh, not no. too much, man. <laughs> yeah, things are going well. Things are going well. Good, good, good. And then we also have uh, new guests, some new blood to the show. Uh, I was introduced to these two ladies through Charmaine, a friend of the show, has been on many, many times. But we have Sheila and Sharon from the Ladies Talk Wrestling Podcast. How are you ladies doing tonight? Yeah, doing good. Glad to hear you. Glad to be here. Come on, Wakanda Queen. Glad to be here. 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 Glad to uh, but before we do that, um, I wanted to go to uh, Rich, who's probably uh, one of the people who knows most about wrestling outside of WWE that I follow on the Twitter stream and on the internet and just get his thoughts on the G1 Climax that just happened. I know I saw the Moxley EC match, and that was literally probably one of my favorite matches I've seen in yeah. a long time. Uh, that was really good. Um what what were some of your favorite matches in the tournament, uh, Rich, that people should probably check out? Yeah, sure. So before I start with the matches, I should probably warn people, if you haven't seen the G1 Climax before, it's run by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not a strip club in southwest Atlanta. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, people could be like, wait, what, what you talking about? Uh, and it's round robin. So everybody in each block wrestles everyone else once. So... For me, I'm, I'm going to try to be as quick as I can. Because the story going in this year was Kota Ibushi, who'd been in a tag team with Kenny Omega, finally was on his own because Kenny's in AEW. He had this awesome series of matches where in Japan, like, he wrestled Hiroshi Tanahashi. And that was one of the best matches of the show, uh, of the tournament. And it was because Ibushi 
reveres Tanahashi like a god, like to the point where he created a finishing hold specifically to beat the two gods of wrestling for him, him <laughs> and Shinsuke Nakamura, who is in WWE. And for the folks who see Shinsuke doing what he does in WWE right now, they're like, wait, what? But if you Google some of his New Japan stuff, you can see why he was seen as like the baddest dude to ever exist. Um, one of the other matches I would recommend, anything Moxley's great. Moxley Ishii, Moxley Goto, Moxley with the man who I will I will highlight and scream about because I didn't get a chance to do this earlier for the torch, Shingo Takagi. Shingo Takagi looks like if I was Japanese and wore a singlet and just decided to drop <laughs> people on their head for 20 minutes. Like Shingo is the closest I've seen in my life to like that closing door. Like if I had taken that left instead of the right, because he started as a junior heavyweight, but he's a 240 pound junior heavyweight. Wow. So the scale line every time he get on it and to the point where Moxley after his match, it's like there's no chance on God's earth this man is a junior heavyweight. And his match against, uh, I want to say a night ago, two nights ago, uh, Hiroki Goto, they, if, you, if you saw the finish of Raw, the finish where uh, Cedric Alexander ducked the clothesline and then ate the Claymore, that was the same finish that Shingo did with oh. Goto, only he gave him a clothesline, and the man did the same exact flip, but the guy he clotheslined, I'm 5'9", Shingo's 5'9". The duty clothesline was probably about a smooth 5'11", 6 foot, and he was probably 250 and flipped like he was a cruiserweight. So <laughs> to, to, to yeah, piggyback on what you're saying, I think the yeah. best um, – the, the aesthetic difference in those two, because, again, I watch bits and pieces because Rich always makes me look bad. Um, they, I think it was more impressive because the guy throwing the clothesline stopped. So it wasn't like he ran through him. His momentum stops, and then the guy flips off that after they kind of run into each other. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and that's called he calls that the pumping bomber because all he does is lift. So, and and then in Japan, of course, if you haven't watched Japanese wrestling, the names they come up with for moves are yeah, so best. amazing. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. I'm gonna close with him. Uh, he beat several guys with a move which looks like basically it's like a Goga Plata or Oma Plata if you've seen a lot of UFC. Uh, but he calls it, and I'm gonna bring it up. Uh, I apologize in advance, and I'll make sure to retweet it right now. So if anyone's following me on Twitter at Rich underscore Fan, you can see it. Hurrah! Another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What now? <laughs> So, so he does an octopus move? hold. Yeah, he does an octopus hold where he grabs both of your arms and then steps on the head with the free leg. And that's <laughs> the name of the finisher. Because Zack Sabre Jr. is seven pounds he, and <laughs> six eight, he can wrap his body around you like Dalzim. Oh, and wow. so when he does this, and like I said, I'll, I'll also send this to Brandon directly. Make sure y'all got it. But yeah, like, I'm tweet that out. Zack Sabre Jr. Please. makes Adam Cole look like a bodybuilder. Like he should be a really. Like you should be like you should be out on Venice Beach That's like excellent. like flexing. You, you never seen him, wow. Devin? No. Oh uh, yeah, you got to see. I'm about to look him up right now. So, Rich, what did how did you think uh so we know we like a few weeks ago, I think the last time you were on was around the time when that whole uh Osprey and Seth Rollins thing was happening. How did yes. uh Will Osprey perform in your opinion in the G1? I saw the match with him in Lance Archer, and I thought like that was the best Lance Archer match I've ever seen. Um, and how else did he do uh, after that? Well, yeah, that and, and Archer was good for the rest of the tournament too. He didn't win as many matches as I thought, but Homeboy was wilding out there, and 
in case of Osprey, I think he did well. He messed up his leg late in the tournament, so he like legit messed it up and it hit and his neck as always again. Because the man, he's like 26, 27, but he's had three broken necks. Damn. So he's yeah he he because he used to do gymnastics when he was a teenager, and then he got into wrestling, and then he kept getting hurt. And this year was the first year he actually actually lifted weights. So it it's it's all like in England. I don't know how you get away with that, but you know that's life, I guess. This Zack Saber um, dude is like six feet tall, though. Yeah, he's like six four. Six, yeah, he, oh, he's a tall dude. dude. And I mean, on 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 the Wikipedia it says that man is six feet tall. So I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he. I don't know. But I thought he, he's a taller six, dude. Rich. <laughs> See. See. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait. Yeah, that's you right. wanted See, that, that's... Rich. You wanted that. I ordered it. I ordered it. I'm it was sorry. coming to me. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. A small dude's got to live. That's why when I look at Shingo, I'm like, see? That's so, <laughs> Sheila, I know you're a big uh, New Japan uh, fan. Are you Are you going to go well, back and watch? I, well, actually, that's Shingo. Oh, Sharon. Actually, I am. Yes. Okay, I got you mixed up. I'm sorry. Sharon, I know you're a big New Japan fan. Are you going to go back I and watch am. some of these? Uh, well, I canceled my subscription, so I have to get the subscription back. Cause I heard Fuck dude, you the subscription was really good. Aren't they going to, Rich, are they going to be on Access? Are they going to show the, the yeah. G1 matches on Access? Yeah, yeah, for the G1, if yeah, you yeah. have Access, because some people don't. Like, I don't with my uh, Comcast. We don't get it, so I'd be out of luck. I mean, I could use the Dark Arts, and I can find it if I need to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's been that the game ain't changed since 1999. Like if you need to find something, right. you can find, find it. Find it. That's true. That's true. They'll put clips on YouTube, so it's not the worst. Or Daily Motion. I, w- I will say that if you search Daily Motion, Daily Motion be having everything. Your real talk. Everything. That's true. So uh, I know this is a little bit of spoiler. So spoiler warning if you don't want to know who won. But uh, oh, I know. I know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for this person. Okay, yeah. So, Rich, talk about Kota Ibushi winning um, the G1. Yeah, I, it was great. He went by himself. The, the image, because uh, one of the key stories late in the tournament was uh, Kenta, who used to be Hideo Tommy in NXT, left NXT, went back to Japan, got into the tournament, did all right. He was undefeated the first six weeks, uh, then kind of fell off a cliff as his body, like the storyline was his body fell apart again and like the rigors of the american style ruined him for japan so he <laughs> in an effort to kind of like keep up with the joneses joined bullet club and so I saw that betraying that like great. the guy who got him in it was awesome man it was like bruce mitchell who's like our resident like unk at the torch saw it and was like one of the best angles he's seen in like decades in terms of the dude who had his neck broken and they said would never legit wrestle again, coming out of the crowd to punch out the guy who betrayed, like, I got you this job, man. Why are you stealing on the job? Like, that's basically what it was. And then he's, like, elbowing all the Bullet Club members with one elbow. Each one of them are flying, like, 10 feet. Like, to Cam's point before we started recording and your point about being superheroes, like, he's doing the superhero thing. He's knocking them off one by one. They're flying left and right. Then all of a sudden the bad guy hits him in the back of the head with a kendo stick, and then he gets laid out. You fast forward to the main event. You got 11 members of Bullet Club on the apron and one Kota Ibushi. He didn't even have, like, backup. Like, people were saying, bring Kenny Omega. It's like, nah, I got this myself. I don't need nobody but me. And sure enough, he did it. He gave that man a Kamagoye, which, for those of you who don't know, like I said, Kamagoye in Japanese means to surpass God. 
So he takes both of your wrists and he throws his knee into your jaw. I don't know what, what, what God needs that, but apparently that's the weak spot for his God. I, I think that's a weak spot for most vertebrates, but that's me. Um, and so he gave Jay White three of those, including one with his knee pad down and just a quick rip cord to like the side of the jaw to get him down to get at him again. And that yeah, that brutal. man. Yo, yeah, who would ever down. thought a rip cord would be that powerful? Like back in like like nineties wrestling or like early two thousands. Who ever thought this rip cord would be a thing? Like, but this rip cord is such a vicious move that I love. And it's one of those wild things to me where our buddy Shahid, Cam and I's buddy Shahid was talking about like wrestling. Like you gotta keep up and you gotta do these crazy moves. And I'm like, one of the best wrestlers in the world is just like I'm gonna spin you around and I'm gonna hit you with my arm. And then I'm gonna stretch my <laughs> arms. Like, if you told yeah, if you told me the Okada would take the the beginning of the people's elbow and then add in on the clothesline and people are gonna lose or a drop kick, he just in the middle oh of the room. Those it's like one of those it's like when I was watching CB4, they were talking about Wacky D, and they will get guys doing the Wacky D dance. Like there's wrestlers who have been doing like 450s, 560s, whatever, and like this mofo doing a drop kick and a clothesline and people throwing underwear at him. <laughs> yes. So I love Kodobushi. I'm just so scared he's gonna break his neck. Like every, I get so especially when him and Naito wrestle. I, like the last one, I was like, I'm not watching this. Thing. I'm not watching the next time they wrestle because it just scared the hell out of me. So, do you think it's going to be um, let, just the last thing before we move on to SummerSlam weekend? Do you see Abushi and Okada at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, or do you think something's going to happen in between and it'll be somebody else? Oh no, I think it'll be him, and I think he'll win because I think because he signed a contract long term with New Japan, he's like a guy they can trust. I, I had mentioned that. If you see on Twitter, someone came up with the idea that he is – and I love New Japan because things happen, and it's history, and they can play off it. Kota Ibushi is the first person to ever win all of their singles tournaments. So he oh, was wow. the first person to win the New Japan Cup, Best of the Super yeah. Juniors, and the G1. And that's over a six-, seven-, eight-year period. It wasn't something they planned but he was always a guy that had their eye on them. They trust even when he was a freelancer. And so now he's their guy. You have this guy who's been, you look at him and it's like, yeah, he did do that. It's like, you know, Cam was talking, you know, on the torch earlier this week with Quaid about, uh, you know, like Kawhi Leonard and uh, some of the folks at Texas. Like you look, it's like, yeah, he did win rookie of the year. Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess he has been good. And then the board man gets paid. You know, it's it's one of those things where you, it just adds up and the excellence has been there. You just maybe had him and always seen it. And I think he's been more serious without Kenny Omega and with him focusing solely on New Japan. Like if you have a guy like Kota Ibushi and for those of you, again, if you haven't seen Google Kota Ibushi and realize that when you look at him, that there's a 37 year old man. Yeah, he looks like a 27 oh or 25 year old Japanese. He's 37 year rich. Yeah, I didn't actually know that. Whoa. Yeah, yeah when you look at this man, it's like, wait, ex- excuse me? He is a male model, and he just got out of, like, <laughs> yeah. He like, looks nope. like he needs to be part of BTS and shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looks like an anime prince. Yes. Oh, true, true, yeah, true. Yes, he just needs the little, like, the little light emoji that comes behind <laughs> him, and people start crying. Like, he's so yeah. beautiful, I want to die. Like, that's him. That's Kota Ibushi. And then... He's had two neck injuries, and it's it, it's hilarious to me to look at this because those guys were all in the Cruiserweight Classic and didn't sign with the WWE because right. they were like, I don't know if I can trust you to do for me what these guys will do for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him, Zach, 
um, a couple other are in there, right? That's yeah, there him, Zach. Um, who who else wrestled that was in there together? Um, oh, my brain! I forgive me, my 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 head slipped. But there's a couple of guys who were in that tournament that were. Just Rich, what is Jay White's uh, finishing submission move? Because I oh. just was. What the fuck are you trying to do to somebody? Like they can't fake that. You can't fake that shit. Oh, the switchblade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He gives him the blade runner, the blade runner. So that's oh. basically like uh 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 oh god, what what do you call that? Complete ACL shot. surgery? That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's great because when people sell it, they just their heads just snap. Like it's over. And yeah, so he's wild. Jay White is the you know most people when you meet New Zealanders like when you, when you go out and travel they sound like they're Australian and get pissed off but they're so polite they'll never tell you they're pissed off. <laughs> Jay White is like that guy who if you ever seen Flight of the Concords or any of yeah. those comedies on uh imagine those guys oh, like you yeah. hear that voice it's like hello I'm from New Zealand and he then will kick you in the throat. <laughs> yeah I love his character. His life in Japan like he's a dude who moved from New Zealand to Japan to be one of their like New Japan guys stayed. And no matter what is like, I'm, I belong to you guys. Like I'm not here to get famous in another country. I'm, I came here for this. And so he, they trust him implicitly. And then Gato, the booker, like made himself his manager, like he did with Okada when he gave him the, 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 the rub. And he's just, some people hate him, but he's 26 years old. That's, that's crazy as well. Well, same thing with Okada. Okada got that same push at 26. Yep. He came in his first match. He won the title. Wow. Yeah, he WWE came back from TNA. the only place that don't push the young guys anymore. They used to. Like, The Rock yeah. came up at, what, 24, 23, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that? Like, when he first he got He was champion up, by 27. Yeah, he yeah. He was yeah, so champion yeah. by 26, 27. But now, you know, they stay in NXT for, like, like Velveteen Dream is what, like, 24? 23. 23? Like yeah, like he's 23. Yeah. So they're probably like, oh, you know, we can keep him down there for a while. He's still 23. And I'm like, no, we that's need crazy. a 23-year-old yeah. on the main roster. Like, that's that's the cool thing. So if actually, anything that's the, this week taught me, like, is is that, like, the innovation in these lower levels, like, not lower, but, like, less mainstream than WWE, is, yeah. like, the athleticism is growing. And these athletes need to be seen on the WWE so we can evolve wrestling to a level where it needs to be at. Well, here's the thing. WWE has the talent to. I mean, they don't have Okada. Like to me, Okada is the best wrestler I've ever seen. But um, they have talent that can have those types of matches, a similar type of matches. They just choose not to. That's just not their style. Yeah. Like AJ and Styles and Daniel Bryan, all those dudes can have oh those matches. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> what you say? AJ Cam? Styles is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Oh no, I, oh. I didn't. Okay. Cool. <laughs> that was I know it was rich. Okay, cool. I was like, you so, got a seventy-year-old who books things one way, and as I heard Brian Alvarez mention it, which I thought was hilarious when you think about it. A 70-year-old wants to see wrestling the way he remembers how it exactly. works. Exactly. Right. You flip it, you got a 50-year-old. I, you don't remember Triple H's feet. you got a 50-year-old that's running NXT that is with yeah. the young kids and gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So look what I am. Look, what, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but yeah. look at the stuff we saw on Takeover versus what Man. we saw. As much as we like, I mean, I like SummerSlam, but as much as what I liked on SummerSlam, you look at Takeover, and I'm like, yeah, you, you put Matt Riddle in the ring with Kushida. You put Matt Riddle. I would say put Matt Riddle in the ring with anyone in New Japan, 
he's got next. You put Kushida in there. You put Keith Lee in there. Oh you put Keith Lee in the ring with freaking, uh, I didn't even talk about him, who was in the G1, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. Now, I'm not going to ask Jeff about his position on, like, the earth being flat. I will leave that <laughs> to other people. But if I want to see a wrestling match between those two behemoths and change the curvature of the earth by watching them, like, slam each other on a wrestling mat, yeah, Don't I need to see. Don't on Keith Lee. Oh, my gosh. Also, shout out to Big E. I don't know if anybody saw the Twitter clip today, but, uh, yeah, we love yeah, Big E. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't get this chance to see it yet. Oh, did you hear what happened? No. 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 Oh, so basically, like, he was getting interviewed by somebody, and the dude was like, yeah, so, uh, you know, all these sports teams, they ain't going to the White House. Uh, what do you think about, like, not having respect for the – White House office. I mean, not having respect for the president, but having respect for the office. And would you go if you got invited? And Biggie was basically like, "Yeah, I'm good on that." <laughs> he was like, "The new day's good on that. <laughs> we not uh, really part of that." And then the guy was like, "But don't you think you should like respect the office?" And then he was like, "Well, um, if there's a guy in the office that's worthy of my respect, then uh, I'll respect them." And I just kind of left it at that. It was like really good. So I was really proud of. Like I was like, "Yeah, Biggie's about that life." Yeah. We should have known that, though, how yeah, they were side-eyeing Hogan. Yeah. I think don't ask someone about their opinion if you really don't want to hear it. Oh, yeah. Then Twitter wrestling people went on a whole thing today. The Which, white ones. Yeah, the white ones, yes. Uh, you know, a whole <laughs> thing. Just showing their whole ass. But uh, All right. That's a good way to transition into NXT TakeOver. Uh, so... Uh, let's start with Sharon and Sheila. Um, what were your overall thoughts of the show? I didn't watch it, so unfortunately. Yeah, we, well, yeah, we didn't actually back. get a chance to watch it. Oh, you didn't watch so, NXT TakeOver yet? Okay. And, no, no, yeah, we didn't get a chance to watch that. We were, yeah, we were trying to just focus on SummerSlam. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, Cam, what about you? Yeah, I mean, good show overall. Um, you know, my biggest takeaways, I think that one one narrative I'm going to push until it's not there anymore is that takeover for takeover, match for match, show for show, Kyle O'Reilly is probably the most important performer that they have on the roster. Um, like it's his job to get the show going, uh, most takeovers, whether it's uh, as tag team champion, whether it's tag team title challenger, and he delivers just every time. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, Street Profits, you know, I think Angelo Dawkins is is holding his own on a team where there's a bona fide, you know, once in a lifetime maybe star in Montez Ford. I think that yes, yeah, NXT's done a very good job of making them the people's champions, of making them the guys who drive around full sail celebrating, of having them go through the crowd. Um, I think that as a homegrown team, um, they're firing on all cylinders. It's great seeing them, you know, get the rub as personalities yeah, so, overall, but they're yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, let's talk about that. So, last time they won the belts in the ladder match, and now they had their first main, like, uh, focus tag match to open the show against the Undisputed Era. And by the way, when you brought up Kyle O'Reilly, I was like, the one thing I miss is him playing the championship, like the belt guitar coming out. That's like the best he, thing. Of and all he air guitared it. Yeah, he, he air guitared it. Before, he did, he did yeah. air guitar. Him with the belt is great. It, it really is. It's the best thing ever. So, yeah, Cam is always talking about how different of an athlete um, Montez Ford is. Listen. Yo, this that dude, shit is a – first of all, I, I, I didn't even know they existed, Brandon. So, like, I – 
like seeing this shit for the first time was like, who the fuck is him and why didn't I know about him? Like, I was like, no. Oh. Yeah, like, like, and I was just thinking, like, if NXT keep bringing athletes like this, wrestling's going to change and there's not going to be that many white people in it. That's what I thought. <laughs> but <laughs> this that show, was just me. Our podcast is full, always full of athletes. Like, Devin was a close to Olympic level sprinter. Like, I was a college football player. Rich is a football player. Cam is a strong man. And I play football, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> He's a strong man. From Texas, guys. Jeez. <laughs> and, but listen, I don't think I've ever seen anyone. Like, he jump. It looks like he's going to jump out the ring. <laughs> like, like I'm so afraid he's just going. to, Like last time in the, t- in the in the ladder match, he did a like he did a plancha out the ring, and he missed everyone. Like he literally jumped out the ring and over everyone waiting to catch him, and just landed on the ground. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. And he had a, he had a frog splash on Saturday. That frog splash. Yeah. He went to heaven and came back down on that man. And There's I'll, an NXT like a um. I want to say, Rich, did uh, one of the NXT takeovers where they were on the pre-show of it, which ends up being a regular NXT show, they had a match, and he just, it's the highest plunge I've ever seen. <laughs> ever. He didn't come anywhere near the rope. It was amazing. And uh, Right. That, that's why when he does it, like, he never touches, he's nowhere near the rope. I thought there was a spring in the ring. Like, seriously, the way he just jumped up. And the most impressive thing about that frog splash, if you look at it, his feet are almost together. Yes. So it's literally like a no momentum, just straight up jump. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. He is really special. And then um, I, I was telling Wade last night, there's a second, like a seven second window where he goes from belly to back suplex to front handspring to moonsault. Yes. Like, that was seems, a great sequence. Yeah. He's amazing. He is. Yeah, I always said I was before, like recently, I was always called Montez Ford. The um, Aaron Ross of WWE, because, because mm-hmm. Aaron Ross, Aaron Ross bought sneakers from me one time, but you know, <laughs> long time ago. What? Oh, that's right. You did go to Texas. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, because his wife is like so crazy athletic, just like Aaron Ross's wife is so mm-hmm. crazy athletic. But like, I can't imagine like them like you know how like they had the Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union workout commercials. Can you imagine like yeah. Bianca Belair and Montez Ford? Just like working out together, like that's got to be <laughs> yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a network special that we need. Seriously, right. no, it's not because then everybody's gonna commit to it because they're like, well, kill myself. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> but no, um, but yeah, I think that if you go to um, like minute twelve in that match where O'Reilly and Fish just turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, like they go to that next gear, and then I thought um, Angelo Dawkins is. is he has this one thing where he gets tagged in, and then he picks Kyle O'Reilly up and throws him into the corner from the Yo, middle. Yo, that was the best part of the fucking match. Did yeah. Like, he started spearing people? God yeah. damn it. I guess These guys he's, are so I much mean, better. He is, yeah, he really has. He's been in, in developmental, like, when it was FCW still, I want to say. But, yeah, he really has, like, found his niche as a part of that team. And really, as much as I love Montez's personality, I think where his personality can be kind of larger than life, when they're together, mm-hmm. I love – uh, Angelo kind of being the level one. Like, they really do play off each other well. It works well, out. very well, yeah. Angelo on those raw skits is the best part. He's always yeah. the best part, except except when the funniest thing I've seen from those skits was Montez Ford doing the elbow drop on nothing with Ric Flair. Yeah. The other night, I rewinded that at least 50 times to watch that. It was the funniest thing I've seen. 
So, yeah, the Street Profits retained against the Undisputed Era. Um, Rich, what would you think about um, EO and Candice LeRae? Because you talked about Candice LeRae on this show a lot in when she was wrestling outside of WWE. Uh, this was probably her biggest showcase in since she's joined the company. What would you think of how she did? I usually used Cam as, like, my litmus test. I tried with Travis. I failed miserably. <laughs> at least Cam will, like, watch and, like, observe and then, like, give comments. So Cam gave it the highest praise when he was like, this is the most offense he's seen in a women's match. Yes. And Candice is no longer, after this match, in my opinion, just Johnny Gargano's wife or the happy woman who looks like, you know, Candace Cameron's twin sister, ergo the name. Uh, you know, it's, it's, she's just, that match was awesome. And Io Shirai is one of the best. Like when we were talking about the men, when you have the list of the best women wrestlers in the world, she's probably in the top 10 right now. And you have Asuka, you have Kyrie Sane, you have so many other women that they have on the roster, even in the UK that they're not even using right now. That never get to show it because they're usually matched with people who are either too old and too hurt to show it or too young and too ineffective to hang with them. And she had a perfect dance partner with EO and they just, they showed their butts. They showed out. It was wild. I could not believe that they were, I mean, the, the sequence where she did a German suplex on the canvas and then a deadlift mm-hmm. slow motion one. I was like, what are you, y'all are crazy. And EO the whole time, MF and her, the whole disc, it was, it was a lot. It was, I love that match. I love that We're match. We're not going to so talk much. about that Spanish flash. You're not going to talk about that Spanish fly off the top, bro. I, I, I was going to, I was going to leave the Spanish fly. I was going to leave the finish too, because I haven't seen someone get big bro. girl like that in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, you can't live. Uh, That's a real move. That, like, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, you can't, yeah. you can't tap out of that. You tap, you gotta pass out. You gotta pass that out. That was great. I've, I've never seen that, um, as, as a finish. And like Rich said, I think it's like offensively, I've never seen that many moves in a women's match, that many high impact moves anyway. Um, the Spanish fly in 2019 is kind of like, I don't know, it's like a Hurricane Rana was in 1996. <laughs> when you yeah. see no. it, it's like, oh my God, how are people <laughs> doing this and not dying? Um, but yeah, great match. And again, that finish where she's about to tap and it's like, no, 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 no. You're going to pass out from this. Yeah. Uh, Yoshirai is like ever since that cage match where she's giving her like suplexes onto a folded out chair, which they don't even have men do, um, has been on a roll. And I don't know if this means like, I hope it means good things for Shayna. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we, we'll get into that. But yeah, um, I thought a, a really, really good match from both parties. Um, and Yoshirai's on fire right now. Yeah, that match was that match was just that was one of the best women matches in a long time. Because I've never seen a woman match, and it stood out on this on this card. We'll get to it a little bit later because I wasn't as impressed in the Shayna match for the first time ever, um, as much as previously. Uh, But Io is just some; she's just something different. And Candice has such baby face fire. It's just like she's like one of the best baby faces on the roster. She fights and she fights and she fights. And you want to see her win, and then at the end, it was just like, no, this badass woman was just like, I'm sorry, it's a wrap for you. Man, but like, I mean, honestly, like, if you were looking at the match, it's like, there's no way she could win with the moves they were putting out there. Like, like the her her suplex, her German suplex didn't win the match. Like, you're like, oh, that's crazy. Like off the top, or or like whatever she did off the second middle rope shit. I don't oh, know yeah. what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if she couldn't win with that, like, yo, you're not going to win this match. 
So then we had an angle with Matt Riddle and Killian Dane, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I, here for that. I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a big-ass motherfucker fight a UFC fighter. Yes. Uh, yeah, Killian Dane was great. What was the, um, the best part of y'all? Was it when you started kicking motherfuckers in the face like they were trying to break it up? Yeah, I, I mean, when Killian Dane <laughs> just came across the stage with a crossbody, I think that was good. When, yeah. yeah, when you have that unique build to where, like, I'm sure Killian Dane can jump high. The, the fact that he doesn't when he does that, he's basically giving you a crossbody like <laughs> like dead into your belly button. Like, I think that's really cool. It's a good look. Um, and yeah, somebody who wants to fight Matt Riddle, not shut Matt Riddle up, not prove that they're better than Matt Riddle, which I, him and Gulag do that great, but like somebody that just wants to fight Matt Riddle and Matt Riddle has such, such a fire to him. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It's a way to get one of those top contender acts on the show without extending the five match rule that you kind of set for yourself. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, to me, the biggest, the, the guy has the most potential in the company. Uh, Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunn versus Roddy Strong, which I thought this match was fantastic. My man Strong put on a show for me like oh he gosh. never really did it. He never did it to me, but like for this this match, he showed me like I need to pay more attention to him. Yeah, him being a heel, um, I think has, has done wonders for him. Um, I always say it. You have a uh, Chris Saban, Alex Shetty, Alex Shelley, uh, Eddie Edwards, mm-hmm. and uh, or Davy Richards, Davey and Richards. Mm-hmm. and who's the other guy? It, it doesn't matter. Um, but you know those white guys who are all five seven, <laughs> yeah. one hundred seventy two pounds. That that's it, my it, thing. So nobody can leave fucking NXT because they're just not what Vince wants on the what, main roster. And really quickly, like not to jump around too much. When I watched that contract signing, that's the first time I realized how small Fish and O'Reilly were. Oh, yeah. And you remember, like, Montez is 6'4", and Dawkins is, like, 6'2". It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, good. But, um, but no, about Roderick Strong, they had three different – three guys in that match. Um, you know, Pete Dunne is Fantastic. Uh, British – yeah, British strong style, hard submission, um, always always thinking of the next move, the way to hurt you. Roderick Strong, Messiah, the, the backbreaker, can do every move, should not be that strong at that size, great striking with the knees. And then Velveteen, who is like this hybrid between old WWE main event and WCW cruiserweight. Like, okay. That's, I like that. Like, cause he can, he can, like, you look at that match with him and Ricochet at TakeOver. He can do everything, well, most things, cause it's Ricochet, but he can do all the cool spots that you want him to do. But because he's a bit taller, because he's a bit lankier, because he's a bit more precise, like, if Miz was good at wrestling, he'd be Velveteen yes. Dream. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's so, a good one. Yeah. You have those three conflicting styles that should not work together. But they do, and they were just beating each other up and selling each other's moves, and oh, it's so fun to watch. Like I'm a Velveteen still sells too hard sometimes. See, you uh, think so? See, that's what I like because that, that was one of my favorite things about Rock. How Rock so looked like he got shot every time he got hit, but because um, <laughs> you know, he, he he sells to the point where like he missed the the actual you know bump. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, when he so, did that like, flip like, off the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was hilarious. But here's the thing. Like, Velveteen is the, quote-unquote, the worst worker in that match between Pete Dunne and Roddy. They're both veterans and been there longer. But he's so athletic, and his personality is so big that 
all you do is look at him. Like, the whole entire match, I'm like, okay, look at Roddy doing all these backbreakers. Pete Dunn's doing the joint manipulation. But look at this dude. Like, I just kept watching him. I just kept watching him and kept watching him. And I can't help but just think, like, a lot of people are so worried about NXT guys going to the main roster. And it's true because a lot of them have been great, i.e., look at Oscar and then look at her in the main mm-hmm. roster. And I can yeah. just keep going down the list. But yes. I really don't think – I really think Dream is the one guy who Vince will get. Like, I feel like I feel like he could mess it up because of he could go too far with some race things. With, with yeah, Dream. but say race things, yeah. But I think he's the one guy who's just like – he's old school, big personality wrestler who he, he's tall enough that Vince will just say, yeah, I get this. And so I really want to see him be a big star. What do you think, Rich? I think Velveteen, I think more than the race stuff, because I think Vince, if he sees somebody that can, regardless of race, make him money, he'll use him. Right. I think the ambiguity right. of Velveteen, yeah, where he could play up those Prince nuances where he's hypersexual, but not necessarily asex, is where he wins. Like, that friggin', I believe he's, like, I, I joked on Twitter, I need the third season of Pose to be him and PCO, talking one night in Milan about how they'd be great if they did a Mounties entrance during a takeover. <laughs> like, because PCO would be down for something wild like that. Like you just, it'd be like one of those Chappelle show stories. Like you're at like the, you know, this crazy club somewhere and all these people doing all this stuff. And then you see PCO just sitting there in his wrestling gear, just like chill. And everybody's cool. Like, hey, Pierre call. What's up, bro? And then Velveteen walk in and he's like the Charlie Murphy of that story. And he's like, well, this is how this happened. And you just believe it. Yeah, I think with Vince, he has to get that right. Like I saw a clip of him back when he was in the when he had it when he was uh, the pirate in WWE and just did a bump like a senton off the top to the floor at Bret Hart. <laughs> Bret walked away, and Homeboy just took it, and that was in 1996. Yeah. And I'm like, are you this mofo still doing that 23 years later? He's a crazy. Person. Like when people are like, you got to watch your bump card. Like you see PCO, and it's like, do you? So, uh, Sharon and Sheila, I know you didn't watch NXT this week, but what are your thoughts on the Velveteen Dream? Oh, I find the Velveteen Dream to be um, interesting. Because, again, he's not, I can't say, he's not like, he's not like a character who's, he can't like qualify in some kind of way. He's very extravagant out there. Mm-hmm. So, again, yeah, I, I could see, see maybe Vince McMahon, maybe. I feel like I could see just Vince McMahon not being able to know what to do with him. Yeah, so, I mean, right. I've heard people say that as well. So, I don't know. He's There's rumors that uh, NXT is going to go on FS1 on Wednesdays opposite of yeah. AEW starting in the fall. So, I can see, I would hope if they do that, that they start paying these dudes like main roster dudes. And here's yeah. the thing. If they start paying them like main roster dudes, then okay, you don't have to go to Raw. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good with that. Stay on NXT. Yeah. Let Triple H run that show. I just want you guys to get paid like you deserve to get paid. Um, well, they always consider NXT, NXT to be another, another brand. Right. So yep. hopefully they will get paid like a third brand. I agree. Um, all right. Um, Cam. Uh, I know you're a huge fan as as I as as am I as in D, as is Deepom. I heard you guys on his on the UD pod talk about Shayna. 
They're one of the best wrestlers in the world. Shayna defended her title and won against Mia Yim. What did you think about this match? Because it was kind of polarizing on Twitter. The biggest issue with Shayna Baszler is what we're talking about. Like, as much as we praise her and talk about how complete she is, what happens when you get all that praise? What happens when you're complete? And what happens when you're not on the main roster? You're in the semi-main event or main event of all these shows, and we have to find new ways to have you win. And so, you know, they have the thing where Shayna can't use her arm for a good portion of the match. And so you kind of have to work around that. Um you know, I thought the match was good. I also think that, like, to me, Mia Yim isn't the type of opponent that Shayna Baszler needs. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've all played Street Fighter. You know, uh, Ryu's kind of like the base character, right? Um, mm-hmm. So he does, you know, he does the moves you're familiar with, the, the button movements you're familiar with. But when you look at these tournaments, you look at your Evos, a lot of people don't use him. Um, because he's not super dynamic in that way. So Mia Yim, who is pretty good at everything, does not present Shayna with something I think that is new, something she hasn't seen. It's not the crazy athleticism of a Bianca Belair. It's not the aerial assault of a Yo Shirai. I mean, it's not even the um, I can hit every move at a unique size that Ember Moon was. So I think they tried to get creative with how the match went. I thought it was just fine, but yeah, I mean, Shayna's running out of things to do in NXT, and I think that's starting to show, you know? So it, it was fine. Like, they were good on both sides. I love the finish of, you know, her not being able to, to use her traditional moves, so going with the head scissors. Yes. Um, her The way she, you know, talked building up to that match, the stuff she says in the match, the way she celebrates, even when she comes through that curtain and comes out for the first time, like it's all pretty good. This was not um, the best way to showcase what I think is one of your top talents, though. Yeah, that video package, Shayna Baszler was being real South Dakota in that video <laughs> package. Real. <laughs> Trying to sit, lock up people of color, man. You got to do it. <laughs> wow. Real Let's South do Dakota. <laughs> um, Rich, uh, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I I think Cam. I, I don't want to blame the point. I think it's right. I think a lot of it is she can't do much more, and she's also not in a position yet where they got let her kind of lead with a younger wrestler that needs her guidance. So she's missing between as long as she's in XT because she's never going to be in that spot. She'll be in on a SmackDown where you have a you know no offense to her like a Dana Brooke. You kind of have to work around, right. or on a Raw where you're dealing with one of the iconics or, you know, as much as she can talk, I think Alexa bliss falls under cams when they like you a different rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I see, I saw that this, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but I saw that on Monday when, you know, there's a tag match with the Kabuki warriors and I've never seen Io Shirai. I'm sorry. I've never seen uh, Kyrie saying uh, look sad before. Like she's doing an introduction and she looks like her, her dad died before the match. And Asuka usually is like sauciest woman to ever sauce it in WWE and just low key sassy all the time. And she's like, I'm here. Yeah, it like, would have only been worse if it was the Iconics. Right. Like they are like, I'm tired of these same blonde women getting my job. And I got to go out and making them look like a million bucks. I feel like Shayna would do that about once or twice on the main roster and be like, look, Heffa, 
I'm going to need you to go talk to Vince and say you're, you don't feel good and you're going to give this to me. <laughs> Why you got to be a helper, though? Because I think most people don't realize this, but because she rooms with me again, I think that South Dakota becomes South Crenshaw when she gets a little <laughs> upset. That's true. Which is also kind of like a shame that you didn't get like, you know, the, uh, a match that everybody could appreciate out of them with them actually having a rapport, you know? Right. Um, like, I wanted to see Stannis. I wanted to see the dog they share. Like, yeah. I want to see the fact that, like, you know, when I when I tore my ACL, you would be the one that would take me everywhere. Like, I, they, th- that's the thing about a social media era where our boss, Wade, kind of, like, sometimes doesn't want people to be their self. But, I, like, the storyline was there where, like, I tore my ACL up. You were succeeding in NXT. You were a full scumbag, but you still respected me enough to take me around to my doctor's appointments, to walk my dog, to massage, like, keep me right. And then as soon as I got right, you were like, I'm going to crush you like everybody else. What's up with that? But I hope that that she does, she being Mia Yim, I hope she finds a style. Because um, I, I think she's developing a, a new one. Because, you know, Mia Yim was doing 450s back in the day. But I hope she finds a style that is not only believable, but that can translate over to the main roster one day. Because I feel like they might be a couple of years late on signing her. But I think she's smart enough to get it figured out. So we'll see. I agree. And then we had the main event. Uh, so here's – okay, I'll just say this to start. Um, I thought each of the three of these matches have been worse than the other ones. Not that any mm-hmm. of them are bad, but, like, that first one I thought was just one of the best matches I've ever seen in WWE. Stellar. It was yeah. just incredible. And then the next one I thought it was good, but they were doing too much. Like, when you start kicking out of, like, top rope – Canadian destroyers multiple times. I'm like, yeah, y'all doing a little too much, but it was still a really good match. And then this one, I just felt like it was too much. Like it was, it's too cute. Yeah, it was. Too, yeah, exactly. It was just too much. And then, yeah. like the first ones, like I'm gonna get myself. Like we've seen this in Iron Man matches before, but like in an Iron Man match, you get the disqualification, and then the next match starts, and then you can just like knock out two or three pins and get up. A lot. Mm-hmm. In a two out of three falls match, the logic doesn't make any sense to, like, just give up on yourself uh, when you don't have to. Because John, Johnny was winning. Like, he could have, like, won that match, and he decided mm-hmm. to get disqualified for what? Like, it just didn't make any sense. And then they had a horrible – not horrible, but then I didn't like all the weapons. It felt like TNA to me. Like, yeah. with the – what do they call it? Um what they call it? Lethal Lockdown in TNA. Yeah. It felt like Lethal Lockdown, just all these random weapons on the cage and them climbing and just like, okay, we're going to climb and then we're going to fall. And I'm going to grab this and then I'm going to hit you. And then they did the spot with the handcuffs where people thought it was going to be thumbtacks. And then they pull out the handcuffs and they're just like, oh, it's handcuffs. And I don't know. Um, Cam, what do you think about this? You know what match nobody ever talks about? The second ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Nobody cares about that match. Um, you had a good idea, and you thought running him back was going to have um, you know equal or better results, and it didn't. Like they had the two out of three falls match. Mm-hmm. Like that should have been, if anything, that should have been the second match as opposed to the first. But you kind of ran the big match out there first. Um, you know, I think that athletically they delivered because those two always deliver. But the premise of everything was just too cute. Um, now, what I hope is that we, you know, Johnny Gargano 
is gone to the main roster or he gets some time off because I think that's run its course. Um, as much as I like the mix of the top six, five, six guys that they've had up there being those two Champa, black dream and ricochet. Um, I do think it's time to get uh, a Keith Lee up there. Um, you know, uh, a Matt Riddle, I know he's trending that way. You can put a Pete Dunn up there. You can have Roddy have a problem with Adam Cole. Um, like, so those things all exist. But, yeah, it, good match athletically. Certainly not a match where I blame the wrestlers for anything that happened, but way too overproduced um, in a situation that did not call for that. I agree. I'm really sick of those main events being an hour long because they're good. But again, there's so many lulls in the action, like mm-hmm. that I just can't like be invested. In. And I want to like Johnny Gargano, like everybody else likes him, but fuck that dude, he never gives me anything. Like the Chavo matches, <laughs> but they're just fucking long as shit. I'm just uh. uh Let's hear like the thing. Him. I have some followers on Twitter, and they are like super main roster. You know, we all know, like Cameron Rich knows who's I'm, what I'm talking about, like. So like I, you know, it, I don't like, I don't mess with AEW. I'm all, the, you know, it's like on Twitter, it's like you're either one way or the other. Like it's the people who everything in WWE is the worst thing ever, and everything outside WWE is the best. And then it's the people who are like, yeah, WWE is the NFL, and the rest of y'all is just like arena football. I don't care. Um, and so there's a lot of people who look, and I can't help but like. There's a lot of people look at Gargano. Like, I was saying this on Twitter. I was like, Gargano, to the closest, uh, like, person to me is Daniel Bryan. But when I see Daniel Bryan, I find his personality to be much, much more intriguing than uh, yes. Gargano. Mm-hmm. I find his matches to be far more credible. And what I mean by credible, I mean it's like, I look at Gargano, and the stuff that he does to people and they kick out, I just think, like, are you not strong enough sometimes? Like, if I did like, if I did this to someone, they're not kicking out, especially not 15 times or whatever. And then also low key, like Daniel Bryan is thick. Like he's got thick legs. Yo, he's like he's a goat. He stands next to like the main roster dudes, <laughs> and he's only five eight or five nine, but he looks like he should be in the ring with them. And then like if I I swear like if I see Johnny Gargano get in the ring with Roman Reigns, I'm gonna look like like what the hell am I watching? Like mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hard or extreme, but I do think like people try to say this is the era where size doesn't matter. But I do think that size matters some. It still does matter. Um, yeah, and let me and let me say this yeah. too. Um, as as good as Gargano is, I think that it makes you realize how good Champa is yes. and was. Yes, because his his and he's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's, you know. In great shape, but he's not, you know, 6'2", 6'3", but his personality, the way he carried himself, and the juxtaposition between the two of those guys who are best friends and, of course, are going to have similar interests, but the fact that he was always the devil on Johnny's shoulder that he was fighting, I think having those two, and even, you know, when they're really good friends, I I think having those two play off each other um, helped Johnny more than it ever helped champa and seeing johnny kind of on his own the motivation is um i wasn't supposed to be good enough but i'm good enough and that's kind of the end all be all of johnny gargano and we've seen that with people who are better than that like daniel bryan like aj styles 
um, guys who aren't the biggest in the world, but have these great personalities or these mean streaks. Like I, I do think one thing I'll say about Johnny, his facial expressions during matches, I think are top level of anybody. I think when he when you kick out his frustration, when he's pulling back on you in a submission, um, the aggression, like I, I love all that. But yeah, him standing there, he kind he's kind of an all shucks guy. I don't know if it's the haircut. I don't know if it's how the beard doesn't quite connect. Like there are things. <laughs> yeah, like I was just thinking, like I watched Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles wrestle Brock Lesnar, and both of those matches to me were fantastic. And I just cannot picture like a main event of Johnny Gargano, and that's not a knock. I'm, but I'm just saying, I could, the way some people talk about that it, is the Dolph Ziggler. That is the Dolph Ziggler Goldberg match every time. If, if you but that was in, hilarious to me. <laughs> like, was, that was, it was, that was great. Hilarious. But I'm just saying. But that um, that's literally what Gargano against. Brock well, yeah, you would expect that would be the match. Um, but yeah, I, I think he would. I think he can be a main eventer as a tag team. Like if him and Ciampa came up as DIY, like yes, I want them to have the belts and I want them to wrestle second from the top against the Usos or against the New Day or against uh, Cesaro and Sheamus if they get back together or against, like, uh, the the OC. Like, those would be fantastic matches, and I think he'd be much better to play off of Ciampa in that role as opposed to him going up there by himself because I don't think there's any way the event sees him and pushes him. Like, I just don't yeah, know. 205 Live is the ideal destination. Um, I think they have a great roster over there. Exactly. I think that he's actually a – I'm, I'm trying to think of everybody who's there. I think he's a bigger star than all of them, it, just based on NXT alone. So it boosts that division. But, yeah, like right now, until they get out of the uh, the Roman Reigns business and the Braun Strowman business, um, yeah, it might not be his best fit. I could see him getting lost in the shuffle really quick. Adam Cole, on the other hand, like Clam always makes – what do you say? Like he looks like someone who works at the, the office? Adam Cole <laughs> – let me, oh. let me tell you about Adam Cole. Adam <laughs> Cole looks like Adam Cole looks like he holds a mean clipboard on the sideline. Adam oh, wow. Cole, um, but, but but that's the thing though. Listen to what we're saying. Adam, Johnny Gargano is physically bigger than Adam yes. Cole in every way. It's not high. But and and, and Adam, Adam Cole is probably taller. But yeah. but if Adam Cole was Johnny Gargano's size, we still acknowledge that Adam Cole is so good at everything. Mm-hmm that you can control that we could see him in a ring with any of those guys. Yes, exactly. Like, he just has a mean streak and a, and a snarl and the, he knows that he belongs and, and yeah, he just, uh, he's Sean Michaels. Not bigger. He is. Because you know what? Yeah. Cause Sean Michaels, by the way, Sean, like there's the funny thing. Like Sean Michaels, and if Sean Michaels and Bret Hart existed today, there'd be some of the bigger people on the roster. But back in the 90s, when everyone was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 just 300 pounds jacked up on steroids, Shawn Michaels at like 6'1", 6'2", 220 pounds looked like a small guy. But when Shawn Michaels got in the ring with Sid or Vader or Undertaker, like he, he fit because he carried himself like a main eventer. His moves, his move sets was great, like, and, he, and he was great at that. Whereas, like, today, when everyone's not 6'7", 300 pounds, but you have people like Roman Reigns, 6'4", 260, you know, that, that size is uh, today. Adam Cole at 5'11", uh, 190 pounds, you know, he looks like he can, but his personality lets him fit in with that. 
Uh, I know me and Cam talked a lot. Rich, do you have any thoughts on this main event before we move on to SummerSlam? I I I I put it under uh, one of the guys we all mutually follow. I, I think I think all of us may have been on his show, or you might be at some point, Brand Jeff. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff versus the world. Uh, you, we 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 all joke about the too much dip on the chip. That's basically what this main event was. This was too much dip on their chip. Like they tried too hard to do too much because they got five stars and five and three quarter stars. Mm-hmm. I think on their two matches, and they were like, "We can do better." I was like, "No, do less, say less." I mean, it was a fifty-two minute match to the very first point you made when you started talking about this, and that's what I thought of the second they mentioned the time. Just make a freaking Iron Man match, and you wouldn't have the logic issue we had where he gave up the fall. Mm-hmm. And I will I will remark for anyone who didn't watch the G1, Buddy Murphy just move for move remade both finishes of the last two main events of the G1 <laughs> in his match with Roman Reigns tonight, and I had a stroke, so I had to mute myself <laughs> screaming because he did. If like I was mentioning, if you want to see a Kamagoye, Buddy Murphy just did a perfect one to the dome of Roman Reigns, and Roman sold it like he died again. I love Buddy Murphy so much. <laughs> I, love Bert, so I want Buddy Murphy to have all the good things in life. I want Alexa Bliss to leave him and for him to find a 10th ab and for him to just move on because <laughs> this man <laughs> is like, he needs more. Oh, no. I love oh, Xavier. But, yeah, I thought I thought the match was great, but they did too much. And then the finish of the match was That was an 18 stunt show finish that needed not, didn't need not be there. Right. I agree. All right, so that was NXT, a very good show. I wouldn't say it was the one of the top two or three takeovers, but that's a high standard. I still think it was a very, very good show. Um, all right, so let's move on to SummerSlam so we don't stay too long tonight. Uh, before we get start, these ladies in here, come before on, we start, uh, Sheila and Sharon, before we, we're going to go through most of the matches, but what are your overall thoughts of the SummerSlam show, both of you? Okay, so overall... I, I did miss some, some of the matches, matches but overall, overall what we thought was, thought like, a was like a B minus. There was yeah. stuff where I had questions about, like, like what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> Which, I mean, that's true. That was my thoughts, too, because it was like, a couple of those matches were like, what did I just watch? Like, what kind of foolishness and fuckery was I watching tonight? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I needed to be high or drunk or something to watch some of those, but... Well, some of the booking was interesting, like, to say the least. Um, yeah. Yeah, some of the booking was definitely interesting. I didn't watch all of the pre-show. Uh, Richard, Cam, did you guys watch the pre-show as a whole? I would never watch the pre-show. Okay, good. <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so I don't... I, 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 I was like, I'm not watching this. No, yeah. I think I saw Edge, which was like, they let Edge do a spear? Like, that was what I thought? Like... I thought Edge couldn't do anything anymore because of his neck, so that was cool to see. Um, I definitely was not watching. I mean, no, I'm not like no offense, but like I was not watching Alexa and Nikki versus the Iconics. Like I'm just, mm-mm. although I do get a kick out of Billy Kay. Like she makes me laugh every time. She's hilarious. She is like she She's is hilarious. hilarious. To me. But I, I, I'm good on that match. Um, but yeah, they held, they they retained the title. So the show kicked off with the Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch defeated Natalia in a submission match to retain the title. This match went like almost thirty minutes. 
Uh, Sharon and Sheila, what did you think about this match? Oh, well, I mean, it wasn't a bad match. My only thing is, why have to tell you losing Canada? I mean, we yeah. knew, uh, I pictured that Becky Lynch was going to win, but still. Yeah. They had Natalia losing Canada. <laughs> well, not like, only did they have her losing Canada, phone. but then the next night they have her come out there and talk about her dad dying a year, like to the day, <laughs> only for Sasha Banks to come out mm. and beat the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of tacky. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it a mean, tacky. Yeah, WWE is kind of tacky. Um, but I thought this was a, I thought this was an intense match. Like, both women show great intensity. Um, I like the submission aspect. Like, we don't see submission matches that often anymore. Um, so it was really good to kind of just see that and people, like, trying to win with a hold. Um, and Becky retained at the end. Um, Rich, what did you think about this match? I, I thought it was, you know, like the ladies have mentioned. It's paid by the numbers. You have somebody in their hometown. Of course they're going to lose in WWE. I thought... The finish was all right, and it was a means to an end. Like, I never got hyped about this match because the second they mentioned that it was in Toronto, I was like, okay, so it's Montreal adjacent. It's Canada. It, they need a Canadian, and Trish Stratus is always in another match. So, like, it, I, I want to see what they do when they go to, like, Mexico. Like, are you going to really, like, give some people, uh-oh. That's my puppy. Don't worry about her. <laughs> oh, your puppy! I was like, your puppy speaks Spanish. I was like, holy crap! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is some stuff. Am I? I don't even do drugs. Like, am I high? What happened? Uh, yeah, but I, I, I gotta be honest. The first couple of matches, I was completely nonplussed by because I felt like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Like, why is this match happening? Okay. Right. I mean, I, you know. The Zane had processed all the way through my body, so I was actually pretty up for it. Um, the first match. You're funny, sir. I like. You're funny. Yeah. <laughs> even when I'm telling jokes, I hope. But, um, yeah, that first match, I think that, um, you know, I, I was um, a bit higher on it than everybody, I think. Um, you know, of course, knowing what the outcome is going to be because it's Canada, knowing it's not beneficial to have Becky chase natalia but i thought the physicality was good i think that it being a submission match especially coming off the night before where um yoshirai and candace LeRae get to go out there and do moves um i thought it was good i thought that the idea that natalia is this this ring general she got to kind of show that off i love the uh sharpshooter spot from the uh second rope yes i thought that was really good um but yeah i, I like the intensity um I, I thought it was pretty good i thought it was pretty i mean you knew what the finish was going to be sucks to tap out in your home country when it's set up like that but yeah I, I was actually a fan of the match and i thought it gave uh becky some good will and some good credibility coming off of all these months against Lacey Evans, oh, who at gosh, this point yes. is still like a, a lower level opponent, uh, from whatever standpoint you look. By the way, Lacey Evans is somewhere I don't know, uh, cooking something. Like <laughs> I don't know, like somebody um, put on Twitter like a yeah. picture of her kitchen, like one time, and it was like this is Lacey Evans' kitchen. And it's like mm. it's like the fifties kitchen, and it's like red with <laughs> like the white tile. Like from Happy Days, it's like one of the funniest things I've seen. Yeah, she's whipping up, um, you know, tossing a segregation salad right now. It's probably gonna hit. 
Lacey is making the best cake for some boys who are out busy doing some sign changing and. Yeah, so I, I, it's funny. Yeah, that, this she armor, just this, went this, off the of television. Like I, we haven't seen Lacey Evans in weeks. Mm-hmm. Like she's just like gone. <laughs> um, Devin, what do you think about Gold? Next match is Goldberg defeated Dolph Ziggler in like six seconds. Um, what do you think about Man, Goldberg? It had WCW written all over it. WCW written all over it, uh, and I loved every minute of it. Um, I when he came back out and picked him up. And then bounced off the rope and came back and got him. I was surprised, but I loved every. I was like, "Oh, that was funny." I was was good. Funny. I did laugh at that. Um, And I I was just like, "So Goldberg's still God? Is that is that a thing? Like, but he lost to to Brock." Yes. So that's that's kind of what they're saying, except that he crushed his own head in Saudi Arabia, and then crushed his head again in the ring, (laughs) knocked himself (laughs) out twice. Um, The East Coast cast. Devin, the easiest way to. Oh, I'm so sorry. Devin, no, the easiest ahead. way to keep uh, keep track of it is treat it like Dragon Ball. Okay. Goldberg is like, you know, Frieza, and then Brock is just uh, the god of Be- Beirut. Be- uh, what okay. is it, Beirus? Yeah. Beirus, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he, just, he just like, I will wake up from my Canadian slumber and suplex you every couple of months, depending <laughs> on if the check cleared. <laughs> Whole- and Sable is his, uh, uh, you know, like uh, I can't remember the other god that trained him. I'm st- I'm just getting into Dragon Ball Super. Oh so man, it's good, man, it's good. It's, yeah, you're, you're mentioning Dragon Ball brought me back to my high school years, which was a hundred years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, that's okay. right. I'm sorry. Super. We usually we have these shows, and we I don't have I, I try to as much as I do with our shows on the torch. We don't have as many ladies that can uh, do podcasts with us. I had a coworker mention this, and I apologize for derailing it's this. Fine. Um, she went on a date, and the dude wanted to go to an anime film festival, like after dinner, and she like called it at that point. Oh, wow. because like, good. but he came in like he was sweating profusely. Oh, never like mind. he, yeah. yeah, it was already like the warning signs were there, and then he was like, "How about we go to this anime film convention?" <laughs> I'm bored. Like, I'm bored. Right I'm after. Bored. Yes. Although yes. I did see and, a couple weeks ago on Twitter, I know Cam saw this. Um, was when Megan Thee Stallion was on Twitter just talking to everybody <laughs> about her favorite anime, mm-hmm. and I said, and the, um, "Is she like the greatest thing ever?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, real shit. And then she did a paper cover uh, for the magazine of uh, Hero Academia. Yeah. One of the guys mm-hmm. in the academia. So they had the hair like him in the, in the, in the um, you know how whenever he, Mark whenever he geeks Clark. out, he is the, the eye that's messed up. Yeah, yeah she did that. It was great. It really yeah. was good. Yeah, is she going to do a Naruto run just to like have people lose their minds in a music Yo, video? Because if she does, I'm not going to be able to not buy her albums and everything she does. Uh, yeah, there are women and black women who like anime. I'm not into it like the way I was when I was in high school, but I, I was in. I'm just yeah. saying, Dragon Ball Super is good. It's not better than a lot of other stuff that's out, like Attack on Titan. It's really good. Uh, Demon Slayer is really good right now. Um, I mean, I got you. If you want any anime right. recommendations, come anime right here. Save Anime Corner for tomorrow. Jeez. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> we go to Anime Corner all the time with you. Um, 
Yeah, but I was going to say the East Coast cast have had all three people, all three of you guys have had strong feelings on Undertaker wrestling ever again. Um, Cam, Rich, what what did you think about how they used Goldberg? Was this okay with you guys if he's going to have to be out there doing it like this? Or is it still just like, yeah, we're good? I mean, I don't want them to use Dolph Ziggler, so putting those two together is fine for me. <laughs> oh. Um, but no, yeah, I, I thought that was that's exactly what you do with an act like Goldberg. And again, Goldberg is an old act, but Goldberg is not an act who sat around for years saying, give the young guys a chance. And, and then all of a sudden wants TV time. Like Goldberg uh, is is not infallible, but Goldberg is also not a clear hypocrite when it comes to stuff like this. Right. Um you know, Goldberg was a big deal in another company that they mismanaged when he got to their company and now are kind of doing right by. Um, I think that, you know, I think Dolph Ziggler is hyper athletic. I think Dolph Ziggler has um, an energy about him. Very few people do. I also find him to be completely corny and uninteresting and lack any type of self-awareness about his no. character at all. Um, but I'll say this. If if. If he, if, I, if he was my guy who I would have come out um, and get killed by Legacy Act, like nobody can sell that spear like he Oh, yes. His, I was about size, to say that. You know, he it took was a hell of a bump. Yeah, so yo. that's ideal to have yes. him in that spot. Um, I think that for what Goldberg is, for what I think Dolph Ziggler is, it was perfect. I saw him take that spear bump. I said, oh, my God, that was such a great spear bump. Only to great. only to the next day to see um, Cedric Alexander just take the Claymore kick of death, <laughs> and it was just like, okay, so you saw Dolph and you wanted to one up him. I got you. I'm, I'm pro <laughs> any one up it on Ziggler. Um, so it, was yeah, Dolph supposed to be the new Shawn Michaels, and it just failed because he's a in asshole. his head. He thought yeah, that in his head. <laughs> yeah, okay. in his head. He to he be was. fair to Dolph, he kind of like he got messed up from the beginning. Like just by giving him that name, and then the Spear yeah. Squad, and then it's supposed to be Val Venus, pretty much, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the start pushes, and then stop, and then beat him, and then they have him come out there and talk about how great he is to lose every match, <laughs> every night but, he come out and say, "I'm the greatest, I'm the best," and then lose, like <laughs> just lose repeatedly. So people are just like kind of tired of him. Um, but so he's kind of decorated though, like he is decorated. He. he He's a, he's a uh, triple crowner. So I, I mean, mean, WWE decorating. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing about it, like, if you watch Dolph Ziggler completely on mute, um, then things are fine. But <laughs> I'm, really, I'm, I'm asking you guys right now. Tell me about that Dolph Ziggler promo you really, really liked. Never. If you ended yeah, Dolph Ziggler's uh, career the night after WrestleMania, like six years ago or whatever, when he won the heavyweight championship against – um, Alberto, and we yeah. just like took a picture of that moment when he was holding the title and everyone in the crowd was going crazy. He should have just been like, "Yep, on, I'm it. leaving on a high note." Like, uh -huh. and just hey, George Costanza. Like George Costanza. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say that on Seinfeld. I'm out. That yeah, would have been again. Great. Like he's um he was he's 37 now. Um, yeah. you know it, it it it's nice to say well what could have been, but it's still him doing the talking. It's still him doing the acting. It's still him doing the emoting, and we've seen people flourish in like AJ Styles. We've never said maybe he isn't that good. Um, we always saw through TNA's booking that they were mismanaging this guy. We always thought that. We don't think that about Dolph Ziggler. 
Like, we kind of accept that this is who he is, and, you know, yeah. he's, he's good enough athletically to keep around. He There's no reason to elevate him because he doesn't have anything worth elevating. Yeah, Sarah, uh, Sarah and Sheila, what were your thoughts on this match? Don't say it was stay down. <laughs> 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 stay down, oh, stay down and stay down. Stay down and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> they would just keep collecting them checks, homie. Yeah, just, yeah. I think it was good, though, that he, he grabbed that, that the mic Yeah, like, like ladies, thank you, because don't let me lie. Like, for everything I don't like about him, him being too stubborn to accept death, I did appreciate that. I thought he, he did a hell of a job. Uh, that night and on Raw doing that same thing, just yes. being so obnoxious that he refuses to accept defeat. That, that was actually pretty good. And now he can go back and do bad comedy. There you uh, go. So uh, then you had the prototypical WWE segment with the white guy interacting with the black guys, uh, with Drake Maverick. And I'm just like, um, yeah, Drake, the Drake Maverick act is not nearly as good when his wife's not there. That's just me. Uh, the New Day, Xavier, Big E, Kofi were getting pumped up for their match. So then, then I wrote on Twitter. Who definitely had the Stevie Wonder braids? Yeah, he did have, Stevie, he did have that. With the, with the beads. And yes, and the yo, he did have the beads. That's right. Uh-huh. I forgot yeah. about that. He did have the beads. Yeah. I said, "Whoa, look at Xavier." Uh, I didn't. Even, I forgot to bring that up. So then he I wrote went on full Twitter. Very bulldog. <laughs> yes, he went full Davy Boy Smith. So then um, I wrote on Twitter, Ricochet is my new favorite wrestler because he's wearing the outfit of my favorite comic book character. And then I was mad at WWE because they made Nightwing lose to um, the, uh, what what do we call uh, AJ Styles? Um, the Trump something? I forget what we people call him, but. Uh, Trump's guy, AJ, so AJ Styles beat Ricochet in a very good match. Um, Rich, what did you think about this match? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought that, you know, the, the Bullet Club, a Jace club, did what they usually do. Um, Ricochet tried to do his thing, but there's only so many times my dude can get smoked by three guys before he gets some help. I mean... That's a big issue with WWE in general. Like, none of the faces have friends. Mm-hmm. And the sooner they, like, like, I don't know. Like, if I, I if y'all ever saw Hot Tub Time Machine, like, I never want to be when, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the. My man really, was left out there, boy. Yeah, when he got <laughs> jacked <laughs> up he and he's like, where there. the F are my friends? And he just sitting on the roofs, <laughs> just crying, <laughs> mad. Like, that's every face in WWE you get. Like, meanwhile, like, everybody's just chilling, singing, like, you know, uh, Black Eyed Peas song in 1986, and you getting smoked by the club again. Yeah, Jim Crow. Basically, if you're going to be a face, make sure you bring some people with you. Have, have, right. have your own people. Yeah, Jim Crockett, in Jim Crockett promotions, when Dusty Rose would get jumped, it'd be like 75 people running out the locker room. Coming to save him. The whole you got, locker like, room. coming out the shower like, what you got, baby? I need your help, baby. <laughs> Everyone comes. Uh, also, uh, here's another thing. I have a question for you, Rich. As someone who uh, watches a lot of non-WWE and saw a lot of Ricochet before coming to WWE, how do you think he's done so far? Because, you know, Ricochet in um, 
Lucha Underground and Ricochet and uh, the, the Battle of L.A. Ricochet matches and some of the New Japan matches. He created this aura before coming to WWE of just like this amazing athlete. And in WWE and in NXT, you've seen him be that. But how do you think they've handled him and how do you think his matches has been compared to uh, him previous to WWE? Well, I think just like with everything else, they – they don't WWE does has this attitude of you have to kind of get jumped into their gang before they acknowledge right. you can provide stuff. So we saw him with Alistair Black, which our buddy Shahid called Blackishay, and they did well for a while, but the second they separated him, Ricochet lost for like eight weeks. And it's like, why is this dude who's like the most athletic guy on the roster losing the bums? And when you see someone lose the bums, especially with WWE's lens. You know, I can scream till the cows come home. I've seen a match where Keith Lee and Donovan Dijak were afraid of Ricochet in a three-way match because he was crazy enough to get them both up in the air for different moves. And you're like, okay, whatever, Rich. You you know, I see Ricochet lose to friggin' uh, Baron Corbin three weeks in a row, whatever. So you're, you're – they're not using it, and if they're not going to use it right, like right now they're showing the King of the Ring, I can count on my hand after uh, after William Regal. I'm, no, I lied. After King Booker, mm-hmm. how many people they made a good job of with the King of the Ring like tournament? Because at some point they just get tired of it. And the same thing with Ricochet. No one wants to take the time to show this guy might not give you the best pro. He doesn't need to. If he's an athlete, do what he did in yeah. NXT. Uh, you had my, you had our dude, or I think everyone, I think it's fair to say that, uh, Velveteen Dream talking that cash stuff about him. And then all Ricochet had to do was flip over the top rope and walk right up to him and say, say it again. He didn't even have to say it. He just flipped right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Let him be who he is and don't expect him to have a 20 minute promo. And like, I'm, I'm, I, I think he'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon and Sheila, what'd you think about Ricochet and AJ? Here's the thing, like, I, I do remember Ricochet from Lucha Underground, and, like, the first time I had ever seen him, I was like, who is this guy? He's really fast, he's really athletic, and, of course, my fear when people get on the main roster is that um, we just don't really know what to do with them. This kind of seems like um, this is like, like that, that situation, like, like, I don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of, like... When he first came up, he was kind of the all shucks guy. Like, I'm from Patuka, Kentucky, and I just worked really yeah. hard to make my way up here. And I'm just so glad to be in the WWE and to be able to perform in front of the people. And I'm just like, yeah, this is not the dude that's going to get me excited. Like, that's not going to get the main people who don't know who he is excited. His moves will still get you excited to an extent, but then right. he just becomes um, Neville. Like, he's to me, he's Neville. And I think he could be more – I think Neville could have been more than Neville. Um, but to me, he's kind of just become like Adrian Neville. Uh, Cam, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think that, um, you know, the biggest – not the big, the biggest miss, but, you know, Ricochet was supposed to be in the Seth Rollins spot during Raw Reunion um, where the click kind of came out and showed him love and kind of passed him off as the next cool guy. Um, so, I mean, what's a big deal for him? You can't wrestle AJ Styles every week. I thought that he and Cesaro did some really good stuff together, yes. but they need to really define, um, 
what Ricochet is and what he stands for. I think they've done pretty good, though. Like, I think him coming out to support Babyface, it's him not forgetting AJ. I think that's all been done really well. But the biggest thing for him, and I know you said, like, he could be like a Neville. Um, like, let's not pretend like Ricochet is not really, really good looking. Yes. Um in, in a way, oh, yes. that, women on the show, I love it. So, you know, in a, <laughs> I mean, he, he's good looking in a way that I think Vince McMahon thought Jason Jordan was mm-hmm. um, to appeal to that demographic. And I think Jason Jordan's also a good looking guy, but there, there's a difference between them. So Ricochet's biggest thing is not getting hurt and not being demoted. If they keep him around, like, the upper mid card touching the main event, I think he'll be just fine. Like, again, he's only 31, so there's time. But, yeah, they got to – he has to make sure he doesn't get hurt doing the things that he does or he risks missing out on things like he did with Raw Reunion. So, to me, for real, for him, it's about health and them keeping that potential and him being healthy when – the Montez Fords come up, him being healthy when the Velveteen Dreams come up, him being healthy if a Gargano's on the main roster. So I, I think he'll be okay. Um, it's going to be a matter of attrition for him, though. I agree. Uh, the next match was the first one I was really upset with the finish, um, which is Bailey defeating Ember Moon. I was really ready for Ember Moon to get that next level and to get that chance bruh, to be a champion. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Ahead. So upset. I'm just, it's just, if you watch this match, you're thinking, like, what the fuck is happening? Because clearly the the more superior athlete that's hitting you more devastating moves is not winning. What the fuck is happening? And she clearly has a more pop than Bailey, than, than Bailey did. So I was just, like, I, yeah, I was upset about this match as well. Well, yeah. Well, WWE's kind of killed Bailey because, like, <laughs> if, like if you tell, like, if, I mean, I probably would have believed it then. But if like if you'd have told me in a time machine when Bailey wrestled Sasha Banks in Brooklyn mm-hmm. three or four yeah. years ago that like this is what we're gonna like before Monday night, like that's what Sasha Banks and Bailey would be in twenty nineteen, I'd have just been like, There's no way they could mess that up. Like there's an, it's just not possible that you can mess that up with those two. But Bailey, they did a number on Bailey. Like when she was on Raw those years, like just just mm-hmm. being silly and stupid and getting yeah. Like made to look dumb and elect the the Alexa feud just killed her dead, and so now she's champion, but she's not like really that over. And then like the last feud that she was in, she was kind of like a heel, but she was still a baby face. So it was like, do we cheer for her? So then you have Ember Moon who was hurt for a long time, and so she's finally back. And a lot of people, like I know Cam's into, a lot of people are into Ember Moon. And then she gets this opportunity, and then she just loses. And yeah, yeah. And the match was. If, if I could jump great. in really quick, yeah. Um, so we were talking about Ricochet a second ago. You know how I knew Ricochet was really, really, really good because I thought that aside from his punches, that John Morrison was really, really, really good. And then I watched that first Lucha Underground with <laughs> John Morrison against did, Prince Puma, did you say John and Morrison? it's like that's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then I saw him. Well, I mean, absolutely not because he has abs and he has long hair. What? 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I saw, <laughs> them, um, when I saw the two of them, um, Prince Puma against John Morrison, I knew John Morrison didn't have the juice because they're supposed to be doing the same thing, except one of them is doing it ten times better. 
when Ember Moon first came up to the main roster, the gap in athleticism between her and just about everybody else was super clear. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the fact that, like you said, they killed Bailey, and Bailey's strong point was never her move for move wrestling. It was being John Cena. It was being lovable and fighting from under and finding the will to win. Um, you know, this kind of almost tweener Bailey or um, savvy babyface Bailey against a super athletic Ember Moon is already just kind of a throwaway match than to have Ember lose clean in that environment, even though it was to a cool move. I don't think it helps anybody in that situation. And the storyline was Bailey is giving Ember Moon charity. So she just picks Ember Moon to wrestle because she wanted to have a cool match, which is basically like, yeah, I don't really think I'm going to lose, but I kind of want to give you a chance to get some shine. And then she gives her a chance to get some shine, and then she beats her at the end, beats her at the end. I'm just like, <laughs> that's just a, just just bury Ember into the ground, will you? Uh-huh. Um, Sharon, what do you think? Um, well, I feel bad for Ember Moon because I feel like she's not getting used properly, and again, she was getting buried in commentary, <laughs> which is bad. Because, mm-hmm. again, you want people to be on her side when she's in this match. Instead, it's burying her where there's no one's like supporting her. So, I mean, didn't do anyone any good in the match. Yeah, and, like, Cam and uh, I think Deepalm said it on the UD pod when you guys were on that, like, her finish is, like, the best finish in the company. Like, her hitting that second, that stunner off the top ropes is the best thing ever. And to have that just be, like, something that, you know, you put out in the opening match to get a pop, I think she's so much more than that. And I hope I, – I don't even know if I want this feud to continue because I feel like if she goes and wins that Clash of Champions, it's just going to be, like, blah. Like, it's not even going to really hit. I feel like it needs to go to someone else and then, like, an actual heel and then maybe have Ember win at Royal Rumble or something if you want, if they see that in her. Um but I don't know where they go from here with that. I was kind of disappointed with that. Um, all right. Uh, then we had Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. And oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That match. Oh, God. All right. Oh God. So, yeah, go ahead. What did you guys think, uh, uh, Sheila and Sharon, about Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon? Okay. First, I hate Shane McMahon. <laughs> I hate him. I like where this is going. I like where this is going. <laughs> I also hate Elias. <laughs> That's the point, too. Because he was, like, the, what, the special defender, special referee? And I didn't understand Special enforcer. He was the enforcer. Just, like, some bullshit. Yeah, special enforcer. I'm like, this is some bullshit. Come on. I mean, you had Kevin Owen at times arguing with Elias and wasting time. So, at times, like, going to be a count on him. And he was going to lose. There was literally one time where Shane is, like, laying on the ground. And Kevin is like standing there, and then he he walks over to the ropes, and then Elias gets up on the ropes, and he starts arguing with Elias, and then Shane rolls him up for like a, a false finish. And I was like, "What is going on here?" Um, also, but here's the thing: I will say this, and I think Cam will agree with me. Uh, if this is the way, if this is what it took to get Shane McMahon off TV, you know, um, I'm alright for that. I'm okay. We are finally at the point. It took 20 years, but people are finally understanding that Shane McMahon is a trust fund kid who's taking up space. Like, he's 
you know, Shane McMahon is what into his fifties now. Um, yeah. has skin of a broiled hot dog. Um, <laughs> body's falling oh, apart. Punches are bad. Hairline sitting back. Sweats like a broiled hot dog. Um, yeah, and and it's never been. He's an inspiration for us, Cam. No, he's literally not. He's not an inspiration for us. He has nothing to do with us. We okay, wait, can I say something real quick? Yes. He's like that manager you have at work who sits in his office all day and does nothing. But he can't get fired because he's the boss kid. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like his name is outside of the building. And he doesn't wear a name tag. Like, yeah, he's – um. But but like in all seriousness, like he's had some very cool moments. He has an athletic prowess about him, but it's worn out as welcome. And and the storyline is that he's taking space from other people and taking spots from other people. Like they're telling us this. Um, and so I think people are finally kind of over Shane McMahon. Um, I don't, I don't know if anybody's paying attention to SmackDown, but basically they're running back. The big show is broke. HBK is broke. Angle saying oh, that Lord. Kevin Owens is broke. And so he has to be careful. So he doesn't, you know, get fined a hundred thousand dollars. Like we're back on that. But yeah, um, just, just be done with it, man. Like I, KO absolutely deserves better. Um, yeah. he's a more talented act than somebody who should have to be dragging ass with Shane McMahon. So, yeah. Absolutely. I just don't like – like, I would be okay with Shane if he was actually, like, the boss's son, like, as a character. Like, he talks big shit, but he don't really back it up, so he pays off people or he threatens people to carry it out for him, and then at the end he gets his. his. Like, I'm like, all right, I can go with that story. But what they do is – they put Shane McMahon in these matches. Like, they had him fight Roman Reigns, who's supposed to be your top guy, one-on-one and beat him. <laughs> and it's not like like he had some interference from Drew McIntyre, but it wasn't like, you know, this guy did all the work and then Shane just came in and got and put his finger on him and pinned him. It's like, no, Shane McMahon is kicking out of moves and have competitive matches, and then he wins at the end. And I'm like – what is going on here? And to make it even worse, like Shane is not even the McMahon with power. Like behind the scenes, he doesn't have any power. He's just a McMahon. It's literally the, it is literally nepo- like the the most definition of nepotism because he doesn't even yeah. have a title. He's just Shane McMahon. And because he's Shane McMahon, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, Rich, what did you think about this match and possibly Shane being off TV? Well, I mean, yeah, as Cam mentioned, SmackDown has proven that our national nightmare continues with Uh Shane. Uh, But I thought that Kevin Owens, similar to, like, a lot of what we talked about during NXT, we talked about a little bit with uh, Candice, LeRae. uh, A lot of these wrestlers had really crazy careers before they got to the WWE. A lot of these wrestlers had to do a lot of hard stuff to get to the WWE. Shane McMahon had to just be born. And that level of privilege, for most part, he gets away with it. Like he does his sneakerhead thing. He, you know, I, I walk, I, I do the subway. I don't have a limo. You know, my, 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 my wife's the heiress to the Mazzola fortune. I don't need this. I'm doing it because I love you. You know, that's great. <laughs> uh, but at this point, like, I was the biggest Shane head. Our boss, Wade, like, <laughs> is like, if you ever want to see a man go from Bill Bixby to the Incredible Hulk, it's the best. Mention <laughs> Shane. The best. 
is the <laughs> most underrated wrestler on WWE's roster and just walk away from Wade. Just watch Minnesota Nice fade away and he's throwing things. And I finally, right after that second Undertaker fight, I finally just, it broke. Something snapped in me and it hasn't been the same since. And now it's just, I see this purple man and Vince McMahon sees his son who's 50 and he's not on any other drug tests and can look like he just stepped out of a weird, oily, fro- uh, hot dog shaped vat. And he's going to think the guy who has a, b- a little bit of a beer gut is the guy in worse shape, but that guy can wrestle like two hours. You know, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, there's no, there's no justice in this world. And Shane McMahon is proof of that. Yeah. So then we have another very, I couldn't believe it, but very controversial match on the Twitter machine. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Uh, Charlotte won via submission. Um, I thought that this. I don't. I don't think I've ever been more impressed with Trish as a perf, like an in-ring performer. Uh, at 43 years old, for her to come out there and there was a clear, like there is a clear and obvious, like athletic difference between charlotte and trish like even if trish was 20 years younger if she's still not like holding the candle to charlotte athletically however like this 43 year old woman is out here taking all these bumps who doesn't do this regularly when she i know cam said this on twitter but her doing the figure eight was just incredible to see uh someone do that and i thought that they told a decent story and that trish held up her end of the bargain in this match and made, it was one. It was to this point, it was my favorite match of the show up to this point. Um, a really quick, yeah. Um, yeah I, I want to echo those same thoughts. Um, I thought that um, I, I think I tweeted out like there's a clear athletic gap between Charlotte and Trish, and the fact that this match is so good is a credit to Trish. Like she's doing veteran things. She's not overextending herself. Like she's really um, carrying her side of it. Um, Charlotte just continues to be consistently good. I think she is way less clunky than she's been in the past, Mm -hmm. which was really the only knock that I anybody's ever really kind of had on her in ring. Um, The reason I wanted to get these thoughts out, they're actually kicking me out of my office, and so I'm going to have to leave. Um, Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Um, Really quick. I'll just throw some stuff out there. Uh, Randy and Kofi couldn't have ended this soon. Didn't like the uh, the finish, but I understand why that finish is there. Great placement with the uh, pancake on the lady who was on her phone, Kofi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought that they're finally um, – like, this was the thing Seth Rollins needed. I think he's, you know, between this, the Steve Austin endorsement, his great babyface promo on Raw, um, you know, he's damn near made. So so salute to him and Brock. When Brock's on, Brock is on like very few other people are. Um, but, yeah, no more from me, guys. Oh, hold um, up. Before you go, perhaps, do a quick plug yeah. for South Congress. Okay. Um, let's do this really fast. South Congress podcast, South Congress with a K. Comes out um, every Monday. This last week, I took a much-needed trip home to San Antonio to kind of link up with the boys and some strange women. And, uh, yeah, we talked about um, – Strange women, all right. Yeah, yeah, the strangest. Um, we talked about uh, – what did we talk about? Uh, the Jeff Epstein thing and some great investigative journalism from the Miami Herald. We talked about the ridiculousness of that Top 50 Porn Stars list. Uh, so it was great. That's every Monday. Um, every Wednesday I do on the – 
same feed, The Goose Down, where I review each and every one of the books in the classic Arl Stein Goosebump series. We'll be doing book 13 this week. Every Thursday, we do I Just Want to Tell Stories, a show I produce uh, for my buddy Joe Anderson Jr. of The Mahogany Project, where he uh, sat down and did 10 interviews with different uh, queer creators of color here in the Austin area. Um, episode three is coming out this week, and then Friday you'll get the video treatment for that. If I'm not back on the show um, between now and then, if you're in the Austin area, on September the 13th, for the first time, I got invited back to my uh, alma mater to speak. I'll be with the University of Texas Black Student Alliance talking about the creative process of old people, I guess. So, yeah, that's all the stuff that I do. Thank you so much, Cam. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank Check you guys out. for having me. Um, ladies, nice to meet you. Guys, always nice a pleasure. Nice to meet you, Cam. Yeah, Rich, I'm sure we're going to talk a million times between now and tomorrow or whenever. But, yeah, the police are at my door um, in a good way. So I'll catch you guys later, all right? All right, man. Thanks, Cam. I'll take care. Have a good night. Good. All right, so we'll finish up here. We just have a few more matches to go through. Um, Sharon and Sheila, what did you guys think about Trisha and Charlotte? And how, how did you guys think Trish did uh, at her age coming back, not wrestling that often? She, Trish, um, she held her own in that match. I mean, she looked, she looked amazing. And even though she lost, she looked like a star. Mm-hmm. So there's no shame in her losing. I mean, it would be something different if she looked terrible loss and she it was like a squash match, but it wasn't. Because at certain points, it looked like she could have won. When she did her figure A, yeah. at one point, it looked like maybe Charlotte was going to maybe tap, but she didn't. And then they really came down to who had the better figure A. And Charlotte's figure A was just better. She looked like she was almost standing up when she did her. So, I mean, it's just, it's just better, but, but she still came out looking at one top, um, Trish and the, the Toronto fans. Yes. And also, yeah. think, oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Sheila. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I had so, a few thoughts about it. So I'm just going to start with the fluffy stuff first. One, I thought Charlotte's entrance was badass. Two, yeah, I thought she looked like a beautiful peacock. And, I, and three, I really want her robe. And I'm going <laughs> to figure out some kind of way to get a robe like that made. I may have to pay with unicorn tears, but I'm going to figure out some kind of way. <laughs> but um, no talk. My honest um, impression was it, it was a great story because it was an underdog story. And we're, we're from Philadelphia, from the Philadelphia area. So home of Rocky. <laughs> and Rocky is a movie about an underdog that while he doesn't win, he, he performed with art. And it was the same thing with Trish Stratus. Um, she didn't win, but she, she fought with heart. And she wasn't just going to let Charlotte just beat her. It was like, you, you're going to have to take this from me. If you want to win this, you're going to have to take it from me. I'm not just going to give it to you. Right. I agree. And also, I think the visual aspect of Charlotte just being so much bigger than her physically added to that story. Because Trish just looked like an underdog, like in any sense of the word, against Charlotte. And uh, I thought she absolutely held her own. Um, Devin, what did you think? Um, I just, I was in, I, I love the match. And again, when Charlotte comes out, it's it's always time to stop and, and pause and just like, yo, that's Ric Flair's daughter and she's oh, still yeah. got that swag. It's, it's everything. That entrance to, that walk to the ring is just everything to me. Um, and then her athleticism uh, is second to no one as far as uh, a classic wrestler athleticism. Um, 
Trish was just looking good, and those those days looked real good, and I, I appreciate her <laughs> bringing the puppies out. You know, I mean, the ladies Jesus. know. I mean, we all they they were there for everybody. They were there. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, people were like, "Did she get her implants put back in?" Like, Yo, because it looked that, like, like it, didn't it? Eight thousand times on my uh, Twitter feed. So you know, maybe she did. Who cares? She looked. I mean, she oh, looked, so where for a while? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Um. Uh, Rich, what what were your thoughts on this match? Oh, I thought it was a great match for what we had to work with, which was a veteran who hadn't wrestled a competitive match in 13 years, who <laughs> still kept up with. That's the thing; she hasn't wrestled a match in 13 years. I could not imagine doing something professionally and then not doing it for almost a decade and a half, right. and then coming back. Hey, bro, we're gonna put you in this high profile spot. Good luck. <laughs> and she, and she did it like my wife loved it because my wife. Uh, when she got into wrestling, she fa- she found the women easiest to get into because there were only there were so few of them. Mm-hmm. And so when she saw Trish and I explained Trish's story, she's like, well, I love the fact that she's in good shape and she doesn't feel like she has to kill herself to get into an outfit. So she found an outfit that worked because I had shown her some of her older outfits where like before, like the little things on the sides would have been like nude. But instead, she colored them in. And I was like, that's something I never even would have thought about. Just me, you know, looking at it, I was like, it's a nice outfit. And then seeing her in the wrestling ring, she was like, wait, how old is she? I was like, she's 42, 43. And she's keeping up with Charlotte, who Melissa knows already. And I was like, that's wild. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know how she's doing it either, but God bless her. Because again, if this was a guy, I think, and I think that's the unfairness of like the women wrestling yes. in 2019. If this was a guy, you would have heard far more. So you still got it. Mm-hmm. She would have gotten far, far, far more props. Instead, it was just, oh, she still looked pretty. I was like, well, that's not. <laughs> I mean, also, but also, if she was a guy, she would not have the burden to try to still look like Trish. Yeah. So like guys who come back in their mid 40s can just be. I used to be the star, but now I'm 40-something, but I can still do my moves. I don't have to look like I did at 22. Whereas, like, there's, like, not that Trish maybe felt this personally, but there's this feeling from the outside that, like, if Trish would have came in looking like, and I don't say this disparaging, but like an average 43-year-old woman, people would have been like, what is she doing in the ring? Why is she coming out here doing this? Blah, 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 blah. As opposed to... Uh, how she how she did look and how she did perform, but I thought she did great. Uh, all right, we got a couple two more matches. Um, WWE Championship match: Kofi Kingston, Orton, Randy Orton ends in a double count out. Uh, Cam yes. brought this up of how it was a disappointing finish. Um, Rich, I'll let you start off. What do you think about the finish? And do you think the finish justifies where they might be going in the future? Okay, can we pause for the calls? Randy Orton this uh fucking RKO yeah. Kofi twice yeah. fucking Xavier and Big E so like uh and then he got you know he got Randy Orton got RKO by his wife which was fucking amazing on Instagram um that was great <laughs> yeah he yeah they're going off with SmackDown with him saying whispering stupid again oh. over the corpse of the New Day the entire stable <laughs> so the Emmett Till Memorial match apparently for <laughs> Randy Orton is back on. <laughs> <laughs> racism at least racism didn't win in, in SummerSlam. It didn't win, but it didn't lose either. It did, didn't lose. It didn't lose it, it, there are good people on both sides. <laughs> yeah. That's what won. <laughs> um Sharon, uh what'd you think? 
Um, I thought the match was good until the double count now. Yeah. I'm like, come on. So I can understand why a lot of people are like, oh, this is bullshit. I thought the same thing. Like, this is bullshit. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people wanted him, wanted Kofi to pin and they ordered clean in the middle of the ring. Versus what happened. I agree. I mean, this is something that probably should happen on SmackDown, not on not SummerSlam. Yes, I agree. And they built it. But I did like, but yeah. I did like the candlestick. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, at the end when he just it. lost it, yeah, he was like, like yeah, keep him. This, man, this white man looking at my family, I'm about to go off on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. Also, the video package was fantastic. Like, I thought the video package is one of the best ones they've done in a long time. And it seemed like they were building up for Kofi to have this, like, culminated moment of, you know, 10 years later, fi- like, finally getting over on Randy. And to do that was a little disappointing. And it's not going to hit yeah. the same if he just beats him at Clash of Champions. You know what I mean? Um, right. Sheila, what would you think? Um, I agree with my sister, like the ending, I mean, it was good until that double tap, like, I was thinking like, what the fuck, like, what, the, what, like, why, you know, and again, echoing what she said, um, yeah, that Kindle stick beat down was everything, like, Kofi let his West African come out, <laughs> yeah. he was beat, he committed to that Kindle stick beat down on Randy Orton, so. And then I will say this um, on a side note. After SummerSlam, they aired the 24-7 of Kofi. Yeah. And that was really did. good. That was really, really good. You guys should go check it out. Him going to uh, going back to Africa. Yeah. And talking about him doing the Jamaican gimmick and why he did it and all that stuff was very interesting to see. Um, all right, Devin. Uh, what did you think about Bray Wyatt's new gimmick, The Fiend? Yeah. No, I mean... I guess. I mean, I only like Bray Wyatt for being weird and fucking, you know. Oh, this is weird. Me. <laughs> I mean, it's weird, but it's just like, oh god, like this is too much for me. But uh, it was cool. It was cool. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not gonna watch because I haven't watched Raw in several weeks, and not yeah, not gonna watch it for him either. But uh, yeah, good for him. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always here to see uh, you know the demon. Demon King, so I'm almost, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Sharon, what do you think about the fiend? Um, I like the entrance of it when because it was creeping. It was like the lights were out, and the only song was the flashing lights from everyone's phones, and it just starts appearing, disappears. It's like, oh well, I like that. But what do you think about I the Bray Bray Wyatt lantern? With his old face Creepy. and dreads on it. Because yeah, because that's his old <laughs> well, his old persona. Um, that was creepy. I was like, at first I wasn't sure what that was. By the way, that's new father Bray Wyatt. By the way, um, him and JoJo had a baby recently. And yeah. So that's new daddy Bray Wyatt being evil as ever. But I gotta say, <laughs> Bray's in fantastic shape. It's the best shape I've seen him in. Uh, he looked good. He, he good. looked really he good. good. Uh, and I, that mask is creepy as hell. It is so it, creepy. <laughs> it is so creepy. Um, Rich, how do you think uh, this fi- this first major appearance of him paid off all the Firefly front houses? Oh, I think it did. I think we can look at the match, and then you can look at the fact they made overnight uh, limited edition. I think it was like 100 of them. A Bray one. 500, thank you. 500 uh, Fiend kits, which came with a t-shirt, the Firefly Funhouse stickers, 
it's sold out. People yeah. are selling them for like hundreds That's more. Yeah. yeah. Really? And he, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm pissed that I didn't know it was like, if I had known, like, I definitely would have bought one. Me too. Because I, I knew they had something when my seven-year-old was watching with us. And he's like, oh, he's, nah, I'm out. And he just <laughs> left the room. <laughs> See, yeah, like. Because that mask, like, I was like, I guess we're not getting that mask for Halloween, huh, Trey? He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Trey wanted no parts of the feed. <laughs> he wanted no smoke. I didn't want any smoke with the feed. Like when that dude, like the match was good, the intro was good. That face is something out of like Dark Souls oh or uh, uh, what was that space horror game they made on the PS? Uh, Dead Souls. Like where you're just like nightmare fuel for three hours and you just have to take a break and kind of get yourself. You know what right. it looks like, Rich? It looks like yeah. you remember in the Scott Snyder Batman run when the Joker got his face. Ripped, like, oh, off. and he had to cut it off. Yeah, he had to cut his face off, and then he like stitched it back on, like over top of his skin. It looks yes. like that. Like it just looks so creepy. It's the best That's thing true. ever. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and then on top of that, his outro was even scarier, mm-hmm. where the lights go out and then the, it just starts oh, yeah. flickering, and he just turns and gives you the you know the Instagram model button side pose. <laughs> <laughs> He is he's a really creative dude. Like I gotta give him that. Yes. Like he is a really, really creative dude. And I hope that they keep his matches like like I was fantasy booking, but I was like at, after what happened to Brock Lesnar, I was like, I kinda wanna see a different Brock Lesnar. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking like the fiend just dominates everyone and then he's the one who beats Kofi for the belt and then oh. he's the champ for a while and then Brock Lesnar comes back as like the guy to like you remember how, like like well all of us are probably too young but like if you read like or watch videos or hear people talk how they used to book Andre the Giant back in the day yeah. where like Andre would be the guy who comes in when the babyface needs help and so like you know like if you're if you're Ted DiBiase in Mid South and you're fighting you're fighting and you start getting jumped by everybody you go and call Andre the Giant and then Andre the Giant comes in for the big tag match to save the day to like help you. Like take down the big bad villain, whoever it is. Like, I thought this that would be cool, but like, I really want to see them go somewhere with him. Um, Sheila, what did you think about the fiend? Where's <sighs> start? Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean the intro and outro were badass. Bad um, yeah, he's scary dude. He's scary dude. Finn look good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's um, that's yeah, a given. That's hard, that's hard. <laughs> But, well, I mean, as far as, like, the, the match itself, yeah, I was kind of like, what am I watching? Like, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I didn't get it. Yeah, Finn Balor is. One of his new moves is he breaks the dude's neck. Like, I was like, this isn't okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I know this can't be for real. Like, he's still alive. He didn't actually break his neck, but I was like, what if somebody died? Why do you think? Also, have you guys noticed, uh, ladies, have you noticed that they're bringing back the Attitude Era finishes to new characters? Like, this is the third one. Like, the Mandible Claw's back, the Stunner's back, Montez Ford's doing the People's Elbow. Like, that's... Well, they're trying to bring back the Attitude Era, so if you're not bringing back, you're not going to ever bring back the Attitude Era um, ratings. Ratings, no, hell no, never. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't even think that's possible. I don't even know how... No. I don't even know how good of a show WWE would have to be to bring back those ratings. Like, I don't even know if there's a level where that's possible. It's just impossible. 
possible because too many there's too many good things on TV now. But it's yeah, impossible. I do like the the mandible claw is a creepy ass finish. So just like sticking your fingers in someone's mouth and just like yeah, that's just and really pulling, creepy. They're trying to pull their bottom teeth out of their jaw. <laughs> yeah, so it has to fucking hurt. That is really creepy. And then the main event, uh, the last match of the night, uh, Universal Championship, Seth Rollins defeats Brock Lesnar. Uh, Rich, what did you think about this match? I liked it a lot. I thought Seth, I mean, I put on Twitter, you need to not have smoke with Brock Lesnar. Like, for all the people, it was like, Brock sucks and stuff. Like, I just saw this man spin another 230-plus yeah. pound man yeah. by rib tape. Like, yes. not by his body. Like, I've never seen that before. Like, that's a level of strength that I, I did not think was possible. So I was like, you, sir, can have next all you want. You can take my quarter. You can take everybody else's quarter. No smoke here. <laughs> yes. None. And which yes. makes, to me, even more amazing when a guy like Matt Riddle, people forget he was in UFC as well. And he's like, I want to retire Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, oh, you have big dreams. And you, sir. <laughs> So that's what I thought about this. I thought Seth did great, but it was more looking at Brock as like this. This is why this man, like I joked when we were talking, Brandon, when he first won Money in the Bank, it's like giving a T Rex a nuke on on his back just because. <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Like Brock Lesnar should not exist the way he does. Like he shouldn't be this big, yeah. this fast, and you put him in the ring with anyone else, and it should be unfair. But somehow he sure. can make a match look like. There's someone that's alive and got a chance. And Seth Rollins, God bless him, he took the hardest shoulder post or oh, back yes. post. Like, that man got thrown back first into that oh, post. I how about was... when he picked him up by the tape? Yeah. It spun him like a, him like a like, kid. <laughs> that's what I do with my son. Like, well, hold on. <laughs> that was incredible. And people forget, Brock Lesnar is like 43, 44 years old. Like, he's not. God damn, he's old now. That's he's crazy. not like 35, 30 years old. Like. This man is a freak of nature. Like and when like Cam said, when Brock Lesnar is motivated and on, you see why he's paid he's the, the way guy. he's paid. Yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't do it as often as everyone else and things like that, but that dude has a different aura to him than anyone else on that roster. Um Yeah, yeah so Sheila, what'd you think? Honestly, I actually tapped out, so oh, I was, okay. so I told Sharon. I, I was like, that's all on you, sis. But I heard it when she was like, oh, my God. Like, he, he pulled him up by his bandage. He's holding his ribs together. I was like, what? That was incredible. That was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah, Sharon, what did you think about this match? I actually enjoyed the match. Because, again, it's a Dave and Goliath kind of match. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen Seth Rollins, and he's basically kind of fucked up because his ribs are messed up. From that beatdown, he got on raw from Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. and Brock Lesnar apparently is in the best shape of his life. To <laughs> see Brock Lesnar at times like, like beat down several Rollins, but then also get shocked when several Rollins keeps coming back at him. And just a couple times he was really shocked when several Rollins kept coming back. I was like, "This motherfucker can't stay down." <laughs> like really? Yeah. Right now. And there's also a couple of times when he um, was trying to turn him into suplex him. And Seth Rollins out of it. And I was like, damn, I'm impressed with that. Yes. So, and I felt like them just looked amazing. Yeah, it was really well done. Yeah. And Seth, Seth looked 
doing it. Seth always looks great doing it. He's he's in incredible shape too. Like yes, it's just it's amazing how these dudes stay in and women uh, stay in this type of shape on the road as much as they are. Like I just can't like it, I can't fathom how they do it sometimes. But I really really enjoy, I really enjoyed this match. I was really happy because there's a lot of hate out there for Brock Lesnar. Uh, there, yeah. you know, with the people who they get worked and they go, he he's taking this spot or he's not doing this. I'm like, when you watch something like this, how do you not see that this dude is not like everyone else in the roster? Like he's just not. Like if you had Brock Lesnar coming out there every week on Raw wrestling, it wouldn't even look right. Like it just wouldn't even fit in the narrative structure of the television show to me. Uh, so, and I know Travis uh, on the East Coast cast talks about how Brock used to do real wrestling matches, and I would love to see him. Like, I think I would love to see him pull that out once, like, like yeah. come back and do like 2003 Brock Lesnar, 2002 Brock Lesnar doing all his moves and like with the trunks. Like, that would be interesting to see. Uh, but this version that we saw on Sunday was really good. Uh, Devin, what'd you think? I mean, he's a freak of fucking nature. But just having Seth Rollins being able to take that punishment and be Seth Rollins still after, you know, having his, his ribs damaged is just a testament to how good of a worker Seth is. Um, because even, like, when, when Brock faced AJ, I thought AJ was going to die. Like, there's no way, like, but, like, Seth looked like he was still holding on. AJ was visibly red. Visibly looked like he was just washed. And for Seth to go that far and still win the match um, after, you know, getting pulled up by the tape. Fucking, that's crazy. That's just fucking crazy. Um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was intense. I started I do, loving I mean, Seth Rollins when he was Tyler Brack, and then I really started uh, loving Seth Rollins when, I don't know, what Rich, you probably remember this. Was it the... Was it the Baltimore protests or whatever when Seth Rollins started like putting up the Black Lives Matter stuff on Twitter? I can't remember. Yep. It was like a few years ago. Yeah, I think because it was, it was the same time. It actually was. It was right at the start. It was right when um, we had the shoot in Missouri, and then Randy, being Randy, was like, "Well, we don't know what's going on. The officer probably was justified, maga maga maga." And <laughs> Seth was like, nah, man, we got too much crap going on in this country for me to be quiet. I don't care if it's, I'm just a wrestler. I'm going to say my piece. And I was like, okay. And around that time, he was cool with the New Day. And it was around SummerSlam where he was like, we need to be a Survivor Series team because they all wore white. That was when he broke John Cena's nose. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, mm-hmm. And he won the U.S. and World, uh, I think it was World, maybe it was WWE title at the same time. And people were saying, thank you, uh, Rollins and all that. And he, yeah, he really just showed out. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Rollins, especially since then. So, yeah, I'm glad to see him doing uh, really, really well. Um, I don't want to. And I love the record. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to, before we get out, I don't want to go, we're not going over Raw, but I just want to get everyone's thoughts. Um Sharon, what do you think about Sasha Banks' return? I thought that was a good. Uh, I, I know people were anticipating that she was going to come back at SummerSlam because the reports are she was going to show up at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And of course, it didn't happen. But her showing up at Raw and being down Italia and Becky Lynch, 
Because when we're doing stair shots back in the ledge. Oh, did you see the one where she hit her in the head? That was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, apparently Becca Lynch is fine. Yeah, apparently she's <laughs> fine. <laughs> also, I, yeah, I thought that was good. Every black person, especially every black woman on Twitter, was like, what the fuck's up with her wig? And every white person that was watching wrestling said nothing about her hair. And I was like, two Americas. Because everyone, <laughs> I, I saw that, I was like, why does she have a wig on? Like I like a clear wig. Not like, like a wig, like she's wearing a wig, but like, a clear wig that she's about to pull off. I'm like, what's going on here? Because her hair looked like horrible. And then she pulled her wig off. And I was like, okay, good, good. Yes, like, she has blue hair now. <laughs> um, yeah, don't you know black women notice everything? Yes, <laughs> yes. True. Sheila, what did you think about her return? And were you excited? Oh, about time. Mm-hmm. About time. I follow her on Twitter, so I was kind of keeping track of Going to win. I didn't know if she was going to come back or not or how long she was going to stay out. So, yes, it's about time she's back. And I hope she beats Becky. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. Sure. And Rich, what did you think about her return and how they handled it? Oh, I thought it was great. I thought she had the attitude she had back when she was in NXT. And I think the time she spent in Japan and the time she spent – Figuring out what she wanted to do in that next step is going to be fun, especially what we see in the ring. I mentioned on Twitter, I can't, I, before she even jacked up Becky, I was like, I can't wait for my, the first interaction between her and Becky. And then little, you know, if I, if I waited five minutes, I would have seen it. But this is the stuff Becky actually was asking for. Cause post Rhonda, she really hasn't had anyone that could step up and give her that juice. And now she's got it. She asked for the smoke as Montez said. She wanted to smoke. Now she got the smoke. Now she got the smoke. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. He's not on, but thanks, Cam, for being on here. Um, Sheila and Sharon, thank you. You ladies were so great. Um, thank you thanks so for much for coming thank on. You. Um, before we get out, tell um, everyone about uh, your podcast. Okay. So um, our podcast is Ladies Talk Wrestling. We discuss wrestling through the lenses of race, gender, and class. Uh, we currently have a bi-weekly mini podcast um, called The Double Take. So we kind of talk about new stuff going on. And then in the fall, we'll debut the longer versions of the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, definitely go subscribe to them. Is it on iTunes and everywhere? Because I listen to it on iTunes. Um, we're, well, we're on Spotify and Anchor.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so make sure you guys go subscribe to that and support that podcast. Um, I'm super excited to keep continue listening. Uh, Rich, uh, why don't you give a plug uh, for the PW Torch VIP and talk about um, the deep dive? Sure. So the Torch, if you go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP, you can get all the information. Bottom lines, 10 bucks a month, 30 years of experience. Wade Keller's our editor-publisher. Bruce Mitchell's our senior columnist. He's one of the best human beings on the planet. That's why we call him Unk. And uh, for me, I, I host a weekly show on Saturday, 6 p.m., The Deep Dive. I dive into whatever subjects I want for an hour, have callers. Sometimes I'll do interviews. Uh, I've been able to chat with, like, you know, Selena De La Vega from uh, MLW, Conan MLW, uh, Darius Lockhart, a black independent wrestler that's working primarily mid-Atlantic in London, England, and Germany now. Uh, and also had some of my friends on, had Brandon, and, uh, Devin, uh, Cam, everyone basically that you've heard and hopefully the ladies in time, uh, has been on and 
nothing's off the limits. We love talking about anything. It's just me nerding out with people I like for an hour. Uh, so you can find more information about that on pwtorch.com. And then on Wednesdays, I also team up with Cam and Travis for the East Coast cast, which is a life wrestling in the universe thing where we kind of talk about wrestling. So like it got me into wrestling podcasts. I've been listening almost since the beginning, like maybe a year in is when I started. And um, yeah, it's just the best is the best every week. Like it's you get a whole bunch of wrestling stuff and then you get comic book stuff with Rich and Trav afterwards. And then sometimes you'll get politics and Rich and Trav going back and forth with each other. And then you'll get Trav going on some conspiracy theory every now <laughs> and then or something crazy. Uh, Cam talking about stuff in his life. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best wrestling podcast out there. I love it. Um, and everyone should go and listen to it. I've been listening to it for years and years, and it's the best. Also, Bruce is awesome. I said this on Twitter the other day. I was like, I was when Bruce Mitchell followed me on Twitter. I thought it was so cool, and I was like super excited, like a like a little school kid. And I was like, and I thought about, it, I was like, I'm super excited, like the 56 year old, 56 <laughs> year old white man that's followed me on Twitter. It's very interesting, but it was that's good. It was super oh. cool though, because Bruce is the best man, and he's he's super knowledgeable. Like this, very like him and Dave Meltzer, like really, in American coverage of pro wrestling. I don't think there's anyone who knows more and been around more wrestling than those two and like it's like sitting at the learning tree just listening to him talk him and rich have done shows together rich uh co-hosted the bruce Mitchell audio show a few months back it was awesome mm-hmm. um so yeah definitely if you get a chance like it's i've been subscribed for years it's absolutely worth the money um and make sure you follow rich on twitter rich underscore fan and uh sheila and sharon are you guys are you ladies on twitter uh we are um actually at ladies talk rest one, so it's Ladies Talk Rest, which is W R E S, and the number one. Okay, so yeah, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter, Ladies Talk Rest uh, One. Uh, Devin, I will talk to you later this week with Mike when we do our weekly show. Uh, Rich, I know you'll be we back on soon. Um, Sharon and Sheila, I would love to have you two on for one of our normal shows and more some more wrestling stuff in the future. If you ladies would love to come back on. Um, um, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so that sounds great. Uh, we will be back later this week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we have some movie reviews coming out uh, this week. I guess we got to do the Good Boys, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, sir. We're a little bit behind on. So uh, we're going to catch up on the reviews. You can catch our Hobbs and Shaw review. We can catch our The Boys review uh, from Amazon. And uh, I got. Oh, I didn't tell anyone, but I wasn't going to tell anybody on the show, but um, Amazon actually uh, reached out to me, and they're going to send me, and Rich is going to be a little jealous of this, I know. They're going to send me uh, a screener of The Expanse to review on oh, the show. Hold on. <laughs> I'm flying to San Diego. I'm so uh, when I get that, uh, we're going to watch that and review that because that's literally my favorite show. So hopefully that's, that should be coming Sometime I think what is this season come out in December, right? I think it's December starts. I think they said December. I think so. So I, I I probably will get it sometime in October or November. So look out for that. That was super exciting and big for the show. Um Mike is gonna be covering Keystone Comic Con for the show uh in September, uh and New York Comic Con in October. And I will be covering uh Los Angeles Comic Con in October. So just be on the lookout for all those things. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make Like I said, go subscribe to the PW Torch and the Deep Dive and the Ladies Talk Wrestling Podcast and the South Congress Podcast. I've been a lot of talking at the end, but thanks for listening and talk to you later.